0: Welcome to Movie Marathon with Andrew and Mike. Today, I am ridiculously excited. I've been excited all week. Uh, This is definitely one of my favorite movies we're talking about today. It's Halloween 1978, original John Carpenter. Uh, Andrew, for this Halloween run, I've I've, kind of got in the mood a little bit looking outside. We're approaching Halloween. It's it's a bit of,
1: you might describe it as a season. (laughs) Yeah, I think it might be the season of Sam Payne. What, <laughs> which is the the end of summer and the start of the Celtic New Year, which is in pen- oh, yeah. is is coming close as we uh, by the time this releases, will be nearly to the end of uh, October. So I've
0: never seen any of the Halloween sequels. I, I would hope they play that into those. That seems like a really logical place to go with the Halloween franchise.
1: It's definitely, when you have a, uh, a movie that, that is a landmark movie predicated on a serial killer uh, in suburbia, you definitely need to tie in some Irish lore to really, to really build that up. So I got good news. I got the series for you. Oh, I can't wait. I can't
0: wait. And I'm sure that Stonehenge will be involved.
1: Uh, definitely Stonehenge and maybe even a couple of um, um, Silver Shamrock masks. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But, and, Paul and Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd. But weirdly, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, not as um, Tommy, Do- Tommy Doyle. In this, so that's going to be really strange. I'd, I'd so, watch it. So what are we doing for this run? So we we, we just finished up the D'Souza Palooza. Uh, D'Souza Palooza. <laughs> All right. I don't want to do that again. But you, you, uh, you
0: literally just said you weren't going to do that. <laughs> I had one. I had
1: one left, and that's and it. You, could, um, you
0: couldn't. <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. One, one more in the tank, baby.
1: So we're 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 recording this in uh, sort of late September uh, for October release. Um, what is this series going to be about? Because we've talked. It's going to be about 1978 Halloween is to kick it off, and we're definitely going to get into sequels. But you want me to talk a little bit about how how this is different from uh, the trajectory of the series? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> your your ideas fascinate me. I wish to subscribe to your newsletter.
0: Yeah, because we're definitely taking, I don't know, maybe this will become after we establish it, the traditional route to discuss Halloween movies. But uh we're not <laughs> we're not gonna jump right to Halloween two, which is what, eighty-one? Eight 1981, yeah. Um, either we're jumping all the way to uh twenty
1: eighteen. Yeah. yeah. So I guess the, this will follow the, the, I'll call it the, the Blumhouse uh, trajectory of the movies. Uh, so for people maybe not aware, obviously the 1978 movie, uh, Halloween, uh, directed by, well, John Carpenter did pretty much everything in the movie <laughs> but, uh, by John Carpenter. Uh, that launched a, I think it was a 12, 12 or 13 uh, movie s- or sequel series that came after uh, the, the original I may be, my number may be off a little bit. Uh, anyway, uh, those took a pretty hard left turn into some just real bad territory of just of just sort of derivative, um, maybe not always as fun sequels. And uh, Blumhouse Productions took a an interesting turn in 2018 by basically taking the original and then dumping every sequel thereafter and resetting the, the entire trajectory of, of the series. So... What we wanted to do, uh, especially with the, the end of that series coming up uh, in in mid October, is uh, take a run through the the Blumhouse sort of uh, timeline, if you will. Uh, start with nineteen seventy eight Halloween, jump to the two thousand eighteen uh, Halloween, and then cover Halloween Kills, and then the upcoming Halloween Ends, which uh, I think is due due out on October fourteenth, 14th. fourteenth uh, 14th, fifteenth. That sounds about. That sounds about yeah. right. So throughout yeah, the
0: as an excuse to uh re this storyline they've established you know i have so much <laughs> not um i guess somewhat euphemistic garbage in my head from like four five six of the halloween movies of what this story that i can i kind of need this refresher going into uh halloween ends to I <laughs> like what is the storyline here we're actually supposed to follow because I definitely remember was it, Halloween kills getting confused of what is what is actually in this timeline and what I'm remembering from the alternate timeline um So um, yeah, I'm really excited to
1: revisit these same and and that that's that's the uh that's kind of where the season of Sam Hane comes from because uh reportedly, after this movie was a huge success, and it was a huge success, it was made with a three hundred twenty-five thousand dollars budget. Yeah, that's, a, that's almost an
0: understatement.
1: Like. And then I think it—it it, so it did sixty to seventy million. It was a slow burn, <laughs> but it, it did it did an incredible amount of money in nineteen seventy eight. So it was a huge hit, and but the way that uh uh the director and, and writer uh John Carpenter and the Deborah Hill, the producer, oriented it was it was never supposed to be a sequel, but it made so much money. Uh, that they enticed, eventually enticed John Carpenter to come back and actually uh, write a sequel, and he reportedly got blindingly drunk one night and <laughs> wrote a sequel. And uh, um, you can kind of see that's that was the start of the trajectory of all the sequels. And so I, I would, I too would like to see the time. <laughs> blindingly drunk. <laughs> I mean, that's where I do all my best work. Is just <laughs> just <laughs> blindingly drunk, being forced, almost forced into it through a paycheck. So it's great. But, um, uh, and, but- and
0: it's uh, I am curious though. I don't know if now's the right time. i if they have John Carpenter, they put his foot down, and I don't know if he really could have prevented it entirely. Uh, but
1: had just had no sequels. Just I think, had- I think he tried to do that, and that was that was the tough part. Was um. And we'll talk, we'll try to touch on the next episode more, but there was some, some serious uh, infighting on rights in the mid, in the early mid 80s. Um, uh, and it was apparently kind of a struggle to get Carpenter and Hill back to do Halloween two and then Halloween three. And then Halloween three was a, generally, a, I think, a flop. And that that pretty much tainted Carpenter to never want to touch this again. And so in the mid, I think it was like 1987, he ended up selling his rights to. Uh, Mustafa Akkad who 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 was one of the producers on this movie uh, and it, it, I think his frustration over the the sequels and just not having logical timelines or not seeing it commercially work was why he just he kind of abandoned it uh, so what's interesting is the series we're going to do is he technically is involved all the way through um, he, he obviously wrote and directed the first one then he scores and I think he was an executive producer on all of the Blumhouse movies that are that are out or coming out. I think that's right. I probably should have looked that up. <laughs> it sounds right. Uh,
0: but no, and I, I could understand his frustration since, since this movie has an absolutely perfect ending that a sequel completely destroys. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I could get why you might be frustrated <laughs> with that. Uh, but it is incredible how this is success. It really explains so much of Carpenter's career. This was such a low budget with such a massive box office there are times where i look at his career and it's like oh man like the thing was a flop and like not expensive maybe like movie studio expensive but still a fairly expensive movie to not necessarily make your budget back on um and i was like a string of those for him and i'm like god i can't i almost can't believe he keeps getting to make movies and it's like oh right he spent like $325,000 and made 70 million and between like cable rights, like VHS DVD and things like I'm sure most years from like, I don't know, 1985 to 2022, like the movie probably made its budget back every year because it's (laughs)
1: playing on cable or. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Uh, and I also think they just had lightning in a bottle with this movie. Um, um, yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk we'll talk more about it but it was timing i think it was timing in terms of where stuff was in sort of the u.s in the zeitgeist in, in 1978 and i also think too just there was a lot of talent attached to this movie that was very very young in their careers and i think that it was just uh uh it's kind of serendipity that they just had a lot of a lot of uh you know the right people in the right time, the right place. Yeah, uh, Dean, and, and Dean, I was gonna say Dean Cundy is a big driver of that. I mean, I, he got to a point professionally where he and Carpenter did a bunch of movies together in the late seventies, early eighties. And then Car- I think Cundy got so uh, uh what's the word? Well, well known and renowned that I think Carpenter couldn't afford him anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. For like, where it, the, some of the movies he was working on was like, yeah, I can't say that. Like we can't, I mean, it's not in the budget for the, the DP. Frankly, probably from a resume standpoint, in terms of just movies they've worked on. Cundy, the the DP here, um he he probably has he probably has worked on the most noteworthy movies of anybody that's sort of tied to this series, I think. Because he he does this in 78 and then he jumps to jump jump ahead seven years and he's the DP for uh back to the future. And I think he did that entire series. He does Jurassic Park uh, he does uh, a bunch of Carpenter stuff. And I think he did Flubber. That was a really good one. Uh, <laughs> everyone's favorite. He did it. Yeah. It's that Robin Williams classic Flubber. Uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, which is fine. I mean, you and I have talked about this. I I, I, I love Dean Cundy's work. I think especially at this time frame, he he shoots some really beautiful stuff and has some great lighting in it and and really all the scenes. But what's funny about DPs is they're either like really good. You have like a, a was it um, Roger Deacons or Dean Cundy? Or you got some guy who's maybe doing um, a kid's movie and then the next day he's doing a horror movie and the next day he's doing a comedy. And it's like they're either jobbers or they're like very esteemed. But there's no in between. Which is funny though. That's kind of what Dean Cundy.
0: He, he kind of does that in, later his, later in his career. career. Yeah. I'd be curious what, because he has a run in the 90s where he does. Hook, Death Becomes Her, Jurassic Park, The Flintstones, Casper, Apollo thirteen, and then Flubber, and then. But then, (laughs) (laughs) don't don't be ashamed of that. (laughs) Uh, But it seems like maybe he's settling into a place where he's just, you know, um, he's just he's just keeping the jobs rolling and working in the big studio productions, and not necessarily looking for projects to like push
1: himself. I mean, early I mean, in his I'm, career i don't um, i don't blame him i mean he did some yeah. again landmark movies uh and he i think I don't, I don't think i don't think this is at all his first movie but i don't have his his filmography pulled up but i, I know that this was early in his career and, and was sort of a launch pad for him but yeah, he'd been working at, for about five years before okay. this
0: nothing um nothing too big um, looks like a lot of horror genre yeah type of things um and then even um after this is still um, the huge like rock and roll high school, um, and then it's still with uh, Carpenter for he, a good ways.
1: With I like, think Sk- he stays New with York Halloween two the thing Halloween, Halloween three. Halloween, well, Carpenter yeah. wasn't director, but yeah, Halloween right, three, but, and then that was um, kind of the tipping point. I think did he do Big Trouble
0: in Little China? He did. He okay. did. So he's still, but he, but then he starts doing. So he did like Psycho two, which you know um, horror, but a bigger Hollywood studio kind of thing um there's romancing the stone and that's probably his first non-genre carpenter yeah, that's a big um, studio movie big studio movie that probably is and then jumps to back to the future and then that's kind of like off and running of uh Hugh friends Roger
1: Rabbit Roadhouse oh he did Roadhouse I forgot oh man <laughs> I was reading about how they're about to relaunch that with Jake Gyllenhaal and I got really depressed because <laughs> I'm just not excited about that yeah, I I hope it's good, but it's a it choice too. for Jake Gyllenhaal, but I don't know what else he's doing. I don't know who the um, Patrick Swayze adjacent is for today, though. That's the other thing. It's like, I don't think you have, you have a, wow, we're talking about Halloween and I was talking <laughs> Patrick Swayze. For I, a real podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're that, way off topic. But yeah, I, I don't know who you would go to um, today. I'm not saying Jill Hall is a bad choice, but it's definitely not probably the top ten people I would think of of, of who I would would go to. Hopefully, well, it works. So anyway,
0: bringing it back, you're talking about uh, Dean Kendi. Uh We're talking the <laughs> probably more, more most impressive um, resume,
1: maybe uh, post Halloween. Uh, I just think if anybody tied to the series, if you look at his career, he probably had the lot the, the longest trajectory in terms of just. Big, I guess mean, the punched. only other
0: challengers would be Carpenter himself, and then Jamie Lee
1: Curtis and Donald Pleasance are. <laughs> yeah, shit. All right, thanks, Mike. You really shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you touched on it. I I I really love Carpenter stuff, especially really from like '78 to like '86, maybe maybe even '80. Well, whenever whenever they live came out, which I think was 1988. So Carp- Carpenter has like a 10 year run where I think he's 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 putting up uh pretty serious points and everything he's doing box office wise. They didn't always land, but I think he, he yeah. was making some really fun movies and it, a lot of which have started to uh, become appreciated after the fact. So I, I feel like hopefully there's some, some redemption for him. I know there was, there was a bit of uh, probably some bitterness around, I think it sounds like from, from his side on just the Hollywood studio uh, system and then the stuff he made not working. But I think he, he, he made some fantastic movies. Uh, it's just weird that it was like he could never quite get back into a groove after this movie. Um, and so, yeah. Well, I, I wonder
0: I, if it was a bit of pressure that the massive success of this. Yeah, it kind of overshadows everything. If everything was, if you don't do that again, it's a failure. i like, that's like, that's what we're looking to get from you, is this massive, massive hit. And it's, this was just, you know, a little bit right place, right time. Um, it just wasn't, this is not the filmmaker he was going to be. It's not those movies he was necessarily going to make. That he may hit a right place, right time where something blows up. Uh, but it was going to always be a little more uh, B-level success that would then sustain itself in the zeitgeist because it would keep finding the people who are interested in that
1: and live on longer than you'd expect but in the moment uh, yeah no i back to what i said earlier i he very much did not want them making sequels of this but the problem again the problem is is commercially this is so successful and people yeah, are not making I mean, people are making movies for fun and i think that was the, always the the rub is commercially somebody's looking to cash another big check and i don't blame them uh but
0: actually yeah, I, I, I can't when you look at that it would happen to me, I would get the dollar sign in my eyes when you're talking uh, 60 70 million off a, a minuscule
1: budget. Like, would you like Scrooge McDuck swim your way through a, a vault <laughs> full of coins? I hope you would. Um, but, but anyway, the, obviously, the, the 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 desire to monetize this franchise. Uh, and then I think Carpenter's reluctance, Deborah Hill's reluctance, and even um, Jamie Lee Curtis's reluctance <laughs> later on; those are all things that kind of spear this this franchise. After after this hit, they, it's weird to think that they wait three years to do another sequel because you immediately start seeing um, uh, uh, what do you call it? copycat stuff out in in uh, in theaters very quickly after it. Um, and a couple I think that just popped in my head were. Um Friday the 13th comes out just under two years after this did. And that was notoriously just a direct ripoff of Halloween in terms of concept and (laughs) low budget horror that we can, you know, we can churn out. And once that thing hit, man, those guys, those guys were stamping out sequels every single year. With Halloween, it's interesting. They they didn't do that. And a lot of it came down to Carpenter retaining some ownership over the franchise. Uh, I think it was like a four-party or five-party agreement between Producer Irwin Yablans, uh, Mustafa Akkad, Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and I think one of Yablans' um, uh, business partners, and like it, there was just a it sounds like a very big challenge for them to to all get into agreement on how to do sequels and and conceptually where they wanted to take it, and I think that's why you see this this, this franchise one take a long time to do a, a sequel after the first one, and then two it pretty much goes dormant uh, through most of the 1980s, kind of when horror you could argue the horror genre was kind of at a peak so
0: yeah and i mean some of that is halloween three being a bit of a misstep you shut up um <laughs> and then uh, so I, something i've been thinking about is would we be doing this podcast so the sequels are you know John Carpenter, I, I like Halloween two just fine. Um, I like it, yeah. But John Carpenter has called it an abomination. Um, <laughs> it's not. I don't think it's that. It's not that bad. I can see why then, he
1: feels that way, but it's not that
0: bad. Yeah. Um, but then Halloween three, which I I really enjoy, but is obviously not Michael Myers. So it's a it's weird. Now nah, at this point within the franchise that has so many movies, but then you get into like the four, five, six, the H two O, the uh, Buster Rhymes, the uh, Rum Zombie <laughs> one. But it continued to like live on as a thing. So I, I particularly remember as a kid going, I don't know what I was seeing in the theater, but it was the trailer, seeing the trailer for Halloween H2O. And there's a shot in that movie where it's uh, Jamie Lee Curtis sees Michael sees a mask through a door window. And I remember people in the audience reacting of like and being like oh i guess this is like a really big deal that and the kind of picking up on like i don't really know much about this i'm like a, just a kid and i haven't really seen any of these movies but this is like a huge deal to people and even though the sequels are great i wonder how if they've helped sustain this movie and increase its kind of memory effectiveness that's why you see in halloween people dressed up as michael Myers. like i don't know if you get that without any of these sequels if it's just a a one-off
1: no you wouldn't and 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 you definitely wouldn't have the i think that would have um whether carpenter carpenter likes it or not i do think that some of this did help those sequels did help propel his career uh i i certainly I I yeah it keeps his frustration but um I yeah i mean halloween even though it sort of went into a lull in the nineteen eighties, you know, it, it does have a couple of movies, and the the nineties has a couple of movies in the early two thousands. When I when you could pretty pretty easily point to the 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 follow on movies like Friday the Thirteenth or even Nightmare on Elm Street, those did big runs in the eighties, and they're pretty much sputtering and on fumes by the nineties. And those things could those properties had pretty much dried up by the time that you know, um, uh, the uh, they're still making Halloween movies, and what's interesting, and we're gonna do them in this series. But uh, <clears throat> uh, Halloween was sort of the first in this genre, at least in the U.S. You know, for for launching kind of the slasher genre, even though it's more of kind of a thriller. There's almost no blood in this movie. Yeah, um, I mean, before this, I think you had Black Christmas. I mean, yeah,
0: Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, that, yeah, and, but I think that's probably those probably helped. Um, maybe like prime the pump for audiences to be ready for this to be a massive hit that you maybe have some people. I haven't seen black. are aware of those and are ready for more. And then enough other who are going to maybe get enough other people excited or that it was kind of building to something was going to come fill in this uh, slasher genre. And maybe just it's happened to be Halloween, which was helps
1: that it's an excellent movie. Well, I haven't seen Black Christmas, uh, but I do think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so outlandish. I could see that not, not not getting a huge following. Also, that's four years before it's Yeah, it's it's a yeah, brutal. Like, movie that's to just watch. not going to be.
0: That's not an audience. I mean, this one, like uh, Michael, does kill a dog. <laughs> which you know, is not not an
1: audience pleaser.
0: I just think um, he hugged
1: it too hard. If you look at the but- scene, like he's <laughs> just hugging it really hard. So maybe it's like a Lenny, like a, a mice and men type situation <laughs> with the dog. All right. W- when we get John Carpenter on the podcast, I'll just <laughs> <to> ask him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I read an interview with him. Uh, he 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 seems very much in the mind of not not wanting to talk about his movies anymore, which is uh, a shame. I, I, it's a shame to me. When I, I talk about you know he had some, and you mentioned it too, struggle with maybe some of the commercial success of, of his movies. It's it sucks because yeah. I think he, he had a lot of Yeah, imagine ideas. that pressure. Well, the pressure and just it's it's a shame because a lot of his stuff is coming back around, and people are looking at like the thing just in its 40th anniversary, and that movie's pretty well heralded as a as a, a great. Um, sci-fi thriller, Christine's 40th anniversary is next year. I love that movie. Um, they Live is sort of taken on a political connotation, but I think it's it's very well esteemed now. And I think Big Trouble in Little China, people have people've realized how much fun uh, maybe a, a Kirk Douglas, John Carpenter movie can be. So... Um, but I, that's what I was going to say about, about Kirk the series. Kurt Douglas, John Carpenter, mission? That's Kirk Douglas. I'm sorry. Kurt, uh, Kurt Russell. My bad. I'm really curious where Kurt Douglas came from. We resurrected Kurt Douglas. You've been watching Spartacus? Well, yeah, we, we attached his head to Michael's body, to Michael uh, Michael Douglas's body.
0: So I had a, a. speak of a joke to having John Carpenter on the podcast, I could see he's probably been interviewed a million times. I'm sure these movies are such. So, either hits or cult hits that I'm sure he gets asked all the time to come to like Q and A's and things. Ask the same questions. And so I could see him kind of checking out.
1: Oh, and I don't don't blame him.
0: Yeah, I would, I probably would too. I'm like, yeah, I've said what I'm going to say about these movies. Like just go watch them.
1: I, uh, but uh, I, what I was going to say about the series and what's, what's interesting to me is, is kind of taking it full circle. The original 1978 Halloween was a landmark and it launches this entire or, or maybe maybe it sort of brings to the surface for a lot of people the, the this slasher genre and horror, more of the horror genre. Obviously, everything goes stale through the eighties and nineties and even the early two thousands. But in twenty eighteen, when they when Blumhouse sort of resurrects the series and then takes a very interesting turn where they just abandon the entire timeline, really up until that point, and and re- reignite the the series with the original characters and the original cast move forward 40 years uh it was really interesting but 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 smart way to to try and keep the to keep the series going and i think now with the other uh, horror genre or excuse me uh horror movies those franchises you'll start seeing people probably trying to do the same thing so it's interesting that it kicked off the um that genre and it's probably gonna Halloween will also be what probably resurrects it and, and brings it um brings it full circle again
0: I really want to see someone do like a bananas decision with that, where like uh, they're like, "All right, the <laughs> the storyline we're following is like it's Friday the Thirteenth. One, four, and seven <laughs> are the only ones that
1: actually happened." I, I think I think that's what they're going to do. I think the it sounds like Sean Cunningham, the producer from the original Friday the Thirteenth series, uh, or I think. Can't remember how far his involvement went, but he he kicked off the entire thing. I uh, think it sounds like he just got rights back to actually make another Friday the Thirteenth movie. So he's, I think, yeah. There's works. someone
0: who's got the rights think, for like Victor Jason, Miller, who is and the. And there's writer. someone who's got rights for like Jason's mom and that, little yeah, kid Jason v- Victor like, Miller. But,
1: Victor Miller has that, and then I think um, Cunningham has Cunningham, the rest so Cunningham, of yeah, the. yeah, Cunningham
0: series. can use Jason, but can't use Friday the Thirteenth. Something like that. Yeah, And that's why I like those other ones like Jason goes to hell. Uh yeah, or like Jason X
1: or uh, yeah, but but it's 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 just interesting. I'm curious to see now that you know people looked at Halloween 2018 as a big success. And it was, and it, and I think it's still a fun movie. Um, but I'm curious to see how that that cascades into the rest of the horror genre. And if you start seeing these resurrection uh of and actually I take it back, you know, Texas Chainsaw Master already did that with they had a movie that came out this year, I think on Netflix. And it was the same premise that oh, you yeah. took the uh, the girl who survives the 1974 movie, and she's basically been living out in the kind of the uh, the countryside of Texas, waiting for for Leatherface to to resurface. And, and um, <laughs> I mean, spoiler alert, they kind of unceremoniously kill her. Uh, so it was kind of just. <laughs> Like, like this big buildup of like there's a... someone dies. Spoiler alert, it was like this they build it to be this big catharsis and then just, just kill her. It's like, okay, all right, I guess we're guess we're uh I guess nothing really changed for the series. So um, but yeah, so uh obviously we've been talking quite a bit about Halloween, you know, it's sort of the uh the face that launched a thousand ships, if you will, for the horror genre. Um I don't know what else to describe, it. How would you? How? What, what do you think? Uh, what? What Greek analogy would I use to describe the Halloween franchise? Yeah, Greek, ancient Rome, whatever. I don't care. Uh We already. I think we already established. I don't know shit. Anything before about 1972. My 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 ability to retain it just falls off.
0: Michael is Achilles. Yeah.
1: Um. You, Brad Pitt. Whichever. Um. Well, so we we've talked a bunch about about the reception. I think. Uh, we've talked about its legacy. We kind of jumped the gun here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But uh what is Halloween about? Like what what's the premise um, for anybody where we were catching back up? You know, what what's the storyline here? God, yeah, it's so crazy. I, I
0: have a hard time imagining um, someone listening to this podcast not having some familiarity with it. But on yeah, the other I, hand, I guess I guess you I can also see someone listening to it who maybe hasn't seen it in like 20 years. Um it is more so. Uh, so uh, I guess it's a 1978 movie. So I guess I,
1: I guess we should still say like lots of spoilers in here. Yeah. So if you um, haven't seen the movie, just stop listening and go watch it right now because it, this yeah, is really, this, this really is a, it, it's just a fun movie. And I think, uh, in fact, just don't listen to this podcast ever. And just watch ever get... the movie twice. <laughs> go back and watch Judge Dredd again because that episode's coming out <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> soon. Just go back and watch Judge Dredd. I think you'll enjoy uh, <laughs> that more. I know, um, so halloween
0: so michael myers it opens what 1963
1: yeah this is uh really important for some reason well I, all right this i'm I'm gonna shut up because this is before <laughs> this is when when timelines were became too important and I think that this movie unfortunately <laughs> establishes that well this becomes such like a massive hit important to
0: people where i think it starts people start to like love to like pick at some threads and all of a sudden like it's like, oh, you can't always do that with, with the franchise. Uh, but anyway, so 1963 opens uh, similar to Black Christmas. We get a killer POV shot. Uh, but I guess to open the movie, we don't necessarily know it's a killer. We don't know whose POV it is. It's just a POV shot. Someone uh, walking around outside a house looks in a window. There's like kind of teenage girl and boy, kind of fooling around. Uh, we see them go upstairs. The POV enters the house, gets a knife, gets a mask. Eventually, uh, the boy leaves after some very sure. fast sex. <laughs> after maybe forty-five seconds. So uh, after we after we discuss the plot a little bit, uh, I have some thoughts on that. But uh, anyway, uh, so our with the knife going up, we're still in the POV. We see him go and murder this girl. Go back out we eventually leave the pov to establish it's a little boy in a clown costume and he's like i don't know seven eight years old looks like um and his parents come home and like pull the mask off and they're like michael and like
1: you like, kind of well I it's supposed to put together a crane shot but it's supposed to be like a freeze frame but then everybody's just standing there because yeah. it's not because it's a crane um, shot so. which
0: i guess uh i guess you put together that it's his sister um I, I don't know.
1: I, I yeah, know. That I guess so watching well. that cold now, you're right. I I would have no idea if that but was it, his but he could be outside any house in theory.
0: Um, but anyway, he he murders his sister, gets sent to an asylum, and our next scene is with Doctor Loomis, uh, Donald Pleasants, uh, and so Michael's up for like a parole hearing, and he escapes that night, comes back to Haddonfield, Illinois, and just starts terrorizing the town, in particular, Laurie (laughs) Strode. The sequels will elaborate on that a bit more. (laughs) But is really uh, just a killer loose in the suburbs. And that's, you know, that's where the fear and tension comes from of this evil malevolent force invading what's supposed to be safety and security. Uh, And it really escalates where Laurie is babysitting at the end, uh so you got little kids she's supposed to be watching over. Uh, you see a lot of her friends get knocked off, and finally Michael comes after her. And in one of like why the sequels, uh, you know, Dragon Carpenter probably really didn't want it because the ending is perfect where Loomis shoots him, puts him down, he falls out a window, you see him lying on the ground, and then at the end you see the body's gone. And there's a whole running theme through it with one of the little boys where he's the boogeyman the idea of the boogeyman comes out at halloween and will get you and when you leave the theater you've kind of seen the boogeyman shot and killed but then the body is gone that the boogeyman is like undis- like you can't destroy him you can't kill him and it just does a whole bunch of shots of houses the neighborhoods you've been in and just really creepily implying like yeah he could be anywhere like when you leave this theater he he might be out there um and that's one of the most effective ways i've see, I've ever seen of leaving an audience scared leaving a movie
1: well yeah we're, we're jumping way ahead obviously by talking about the ending but i mm-hmm. i think i think that's why this movie did so well is there's a uh they don't spend any time trying to uh Dive too far into the psychology of Michael Myers, um, who interestingly throughout the script really was was just called the Shape uh, through, yeah. through the entire movie. Maybe we should call the season of the Shape. That might make more sense because <laughs> uh, it actually That's actually that, really good uh, th- throughout. It's <laughs> uh, way,
0: be-
1: <laughs> way better than the season of Sam Hain Yeah, we came up with something. <laughs> <laughs> it only took us forty five minutes into this to
0: actually figure it out. In the uh, three weeks leading up to this, what are we do, like? <laughs> yeah. What are gonna call it?
1: Like, ah. Man. <laughs> um uh the michael myers matinee uh i think i, I think the reason the reason the movie's so successful w- w- was was that, that there's all these establishing shots uh at the very well maybe not establishing shots but there's these shots at the end of um your living room with a with a window open and and the breeze blowing in there's this empty street on halloween night there's your backyard you know and it's all these places that are supposed to represent safety and and, and comfort for for suburban people and I think with Michael Myers disappearing out into the darkness at the end and Loomis's reaction it's so it's so great and it's such a powerful ending because it just the the sense it's supposed to leave you with is nobody is safe and all of the places you thought you were safe and protected you won't be because he can be there and he can, because he is the boogeyman and I, I think that um, I see why when you see that ending now you could tell Carpenter definitely never designed this to have a sequel because a sequel just just yeah. eradicates the impact of that 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 probably that ending two minute scene of, of Loomis and thinking he's defeated him and then Michael's just gone and, and nobody's safe now.
0: Yeah, and in some ways you could say it's like oh well, it's set up perfectly for a sequel because he's still he didn't die he's still out there but it's like, well no that's like that's the whole point is we don't want to ground him back into another location we want him to be everywhere. Uh, Maybe he's the glimmer man. <laughs> aren't we all the glimmer man Andrew?
1: aren't we all just a little bit steven seagal <laughs> i know i am <laughs> my i'm i'm my hair my hair is 80 percent steven seagal hair so
0: i frequently get choked out and crap my pants <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's one of my favorite um
0: yeah, uh, backlot stories
1: Hollywood's... that I, I hope is true. <laughs> that somebody choked out. I think it was a stunt man. I can't remember what, yeah. what the guy's name was, but he supposedly. No, oh,
0: man, I was reading something about the stunt man recently. I think he may have passed away recently. I think he did
1: recently pass and away, that, and that story made the Rams again because... dude, if, if that was if that was in his obituary, I hope it was because that's one of the <laughs> best stories I've ever heard. And for anybody doesn't know, uh, apparently Steven Seagal had was going around on a movie set telling telling people he couldn't be choked out. And uh, the stuntman, I guess... I don't know what you call this as an adult. I guess he dared him, <laughs> for lack like of a better word. Yeah, yeah. Or challenged him. And uh, the, he, the guy yeah, I think he, Seagal was pretty notorious
0: for being an arrogant ass. Yeah. On movie sets. So, yeah.
1: So, so on brand. And uh, apparently this guy uh, challenged him. Seagal took him up on it. And uh, sure enough, he choked out Steve Seagal and caused him to crap his pants. <laughs> Which uh-huh. is... It's one of my favorite stories. Um,
0: in, in fact, I, I want to tell that story on every podcast we do. We
1: will. That's our <laughs> That's our, that's our opener. It's going to be our opener every time. <laughs> uh, so, so the opening
0: scene to this movie. Uh, I, I love that. Watching this time, I was trying to think through what it would be like to see this movie. Not necessarily in like 1978 for the first time, because I don't think I could get my mind all the way back to what that would be like. But just if well, I was watching you, it for you the first bored. time with with no knowledge of what was coming, um it, I really enjoy the POV. It gives you some tiny clues that this is a kid. You can kind of see, oh, there's like a costume on the height, maybe, but it it's not. You wouldn't fully put that together. That was that it was. A child that kind of slowly build it. and then there's the full-on reveal of, uh, oh, this is like a kid who who uh,
1: murdered uh, his sister. So, uh, I don't a,
0: know. I used... it,
1: it, it's it, they they do a good job. Yeah, I guess that's true. It it is hard now because this is such a this movie's so prevalent. I think culturally, and and, and it's it was on obviously every Halloween when we were kids, <laughs> um, and I think still still you'll see like movie marathons on like AMC for example oh, just, yeah. just running it but yeah it, it's it's a fun establishing shot and i think uh what i always liked about this and getting nerdy was they they did this all with uh, a panaglide system which i think halloween was the fourth fourth movie to be shot on panaglide which was basically i think a, more or less a gimbal uh to to self level the cameras and so they they did all of this uh to, 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 with the panaglide to do this establishing shot of of this unknown assailant, and I think they to your point, they don't really reveal that it's Michael until or the child until after um, that panning shot, that panning uh, crane shot out where where the parents get home and, and realize that um, yeah, if you they watching- seem very nonplussed that their child is coming out with a bloody knife. I would <laughs> be much more upset <laughs> if it was it was me, but they seem very nonplussed by this. So yeah, one thing I did did just tick me a little
0: bit on this watch. And it was an interesting watch. I've seen this so many times and I'm probably hitting a place with this and I'm probably do like another couple of watches to come back around. And this is something I went through with like Jaws as well, where the first like couple of times you see it, you're just reacting to it. You're like, oh my God. And then you become so familiar with it. And if you really love it, maybe you're doing some research on it or listening to like other podcasts and you start to see some of the flaws when you watch it um and so that so its like oh man maybe this isn't as like perfect as I, I'm thinking I'm thinking it is and then you kind of come back around and be like appreciate the flaws as well um so one of the things was like that his parents like he murders his sister walks out the house is like standing uh, and his parents like pull up in the car at that like exact moment for the crane shot to like work perfectly <laughs> um it was like oh that's like a, co- a convenient
1: time for them to come home <laughs> oh no I mean there, there's there's and that's a part of the charm of carpenter movies, I think, is is there is a little bit of there's enough there to pay off the movie, but there's still you still you still see the threads. you still be, see behind the curtain a little bit at times. And I think like uh, we talked about it. We'll jump ahead a little bit. But you know the ending, uh, Loomis is roaming roaming through this neighborhood <laughs> where the murders are happening. The car that Michael stole from Loomis is like right next to him. Conservative for forty-five minutes or something. Yeah, I don't know how long. He just keeps walking around, just like puzzled. Where is where is Michael? And it's well, the car's right there. I don't know. Maybe maybe look around, knock on some doors. The best part uh, that I love. Instead of shit talking some kids from a bush. Yeah, he misses
0: it during the daylight, but (laughs) in pitch black night, finally
1: realizes the car. The car, Michael. This is fun too. This is a this is good one. I, I, you know what? Uh, I do, I watched Jaws last week. I think it was last week. Uh, I wonder. There's a sense of the maybe, doll's eyes and the Devil's eyes. Yeah, Pleasants yeah. ripped off uh, Quint's speech from Jaws to talk. I about know. Michael in my Reigns. head, I always conflate them as well. <laughs> I had never thought about that, but uh, uh, I, think, I think Donald Pleasance might be a hack. I don't know. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, what is this? Jump ahead fifteen Hello. years? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, oh, even right, better,
0: No. Did Doctor Loomis see Jaws? Oh, and he's yeah. borrowing from Quinn's speech during his big monologue. He's been preparing. Okay, I'm gonna have to give this monologue about how Michael's evil to get them to believe me. It's like pulling
1: from. I, I would love from to things think, he's seen. I wish they had a shot of uh of Loomis in that and writing with the. Uh, Nurse Marion in the station wagon at the beginning and it was just him crushing uh, cans of, was it Narragansett beer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like in, in the passenger seat talking it, it about Michael. Like, did you see Jaws? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think that would be a great a great layer for I, I like to think that Loomis went to go see Jaws. I feel like uh, yeah, he has a a big to, movie. I think he did. Big movie. He seems like he needs a hobby, frankly. He <laughs> took, took Michael to go see it. <laughs> Yeah, that actually might explain a lot uh, of some yeah, bad That's like all this came from.
0: Yeah, I like think Michael to see Joss.
1: Michael we're going on a field trip. <laughs> um, I think that would. <laughs> I like that theory. That would be a, that would be a great theory. And i i I'd never put it together that that it does feel like it's just Quint if you took him out of a boat and just put him into a station wagon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it, a, fun, a fun opening. Uh, with with. Michael escaping uh by in a <laughs> in a I was curious about this. In a in a mental ward, do they just have people walking around in uh gowns? It seems like they would have him fully dressed because it looks like Michael just came from surgery. Uh so and I'm jumping way ahead, sorry. There's the scene of 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 Loomis explaining and, and giving exposition of why Michael should be locked away before he goes to this parole hearing. And uh, it's this rainy, dark night, and and it has this great uh, green tinge from coming from the dashboard that sort of uh, colors the whole the whole scene. Uh, and so it's this creepy, uh, creepy, creepy explanation of Michael's got these uh, was it dolls? Eyes? Is it dolls eyes or Devil's eyes? eyes. <laughs> devil's. No, eye- I think dead? the devil's eyes is when he's talking to a bracket. Okay, all right. So, but it's Loomis is, is, is basically giving exposition that he's he's been watching Michael. I think he spent seven years uh, trying to help Michael and then realized there was no helping him. And then he spent the rest of that time trying to keep him locked up. And yeah. he talks about giving him Thorazine to keep him drugged up at the uh, parole hearing so that he won't, uh, uh, they won't let him out. And uh, uh, it seen basically ends when they get to the front gate of, of uh, where's it? Oh man. I cannot remember the, uh, uh <laughs> uh, Smith Smith Grove. Smith Grove. Yeah. The gate of the Smith Grove Sanitarium. And all of these patients are and it, this always creeped me out as a kid. And then when I when yeah, I, I, it's th- a creepy I think the image. It's just this the slow reveal in the darkness and the rain of, of these these patients just wandering around. But I always thought it was funny that I was like, did they just dress them in gowns? Because uh Loomis runs to the front gate and leaves Marion in the car in driver's seat. And then you see this uh very quick shot of Michael kind of scattering up the roof and then trying to climb into the car and uh, but I just think it's funny he's just been kind of hanging out in a, in a, a, a gown I'm like you think he's wearing underwear you think he's just like <laughs> free is there anything on? yeah I hope he's like just not because that'd be <laughs> kind of weird I don't know it just seems like everybody should have pants on and maybe be dressed Everybody oh, no, they, feel they like they just got a, a standard
0: movie thing in the 70s in an asylum uh, have, yeah, I think the idea would be like things like pants or something like you could like <clears throat> Hurt yourself with or like kill yourself? I don't know. It, uh,
1: okay. I don't know. Michael looked like he just got out of surgery. Like he just had an, uh, yeah, he, a he had appendicitis and they just took care of it and he, he escaped in the middle of that or something. <laughs> Although he scampers
0: up the back of that car like a goddamn monkey. It's impressive. He's, he's, an, he's an agile guy.
1: I know. I'm surprised you didn't slip because it was raining. It feels like it'd be really challenging. So if All anything, right, that shows you Michael's physical prowess. Yeah. Before we go deeper <laughs> on this, I, I, want, I want to go back
0: to the opening scene because. <laughs> We're only forty five minutes into this, so we should still be talking about the opening scene of the movie. I think we're like an hour in, but yeah. That's uh, fine. Um, so, <laughs> um, so Michael's sister Judith Myers is there. We'll say, for convenience' sake, it's her boyfriend, and they're fooling around in the couch. So I, I want to give offer some defense of this guy, but then I do have a uh, a question about him. Careful. <laughs> so they're fooling around on the couch, and he's like, "Hey, you want like you want to go upstairs?" and they go upstairs and like will be generous and say they have sex and he ejaculates within within one minute for maybe 30 to 45 seconds. Now I, like every podcast that does this movie talks about this um, cause it's pretty funny. Uh It's like, Oh man, this guy, like he goes up, he doesn't have sex. And he's done. He's like putting the, the shirt next shot is, is him walking out. down the steps. Yeah. Okay. So, but, so one, they're clearly established as like teenagers. So we'll just say he's like 16, 17 years old. I, I and it, for we don't know how long they've been sitting on that couch fooling around. I'm gonna say a 16, seven-year-old, if you've been making out on a couch for like 15, 20 minutes, yeah, it's probably the sex is probably lasting a minute. <laughs> like in the
2: that's unrealistic
0: expectation for a 16, 17 year old. Dude, I don't like. I like that not, you're, uh, you're, you're defending this guy.
1: I like in the history of the, <laughs> people talking about this, you're like,
0: no, nah, I'm on this guy's side. No, I'm just saying he's it's, it's understandable. Like, I don't think it's unrealistic
1: for the movie. No, also, uh, but it would, I just was thinking it would be funny if, if, uh, <laughs> while they're doing a, uh, a the, the, the single shot of Michael getting the knife and the mask, if maybe like, you got like a professor Frank slash Jerry Lewis noise upstairs. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, <"All> right, but- <laughs> and, like you see him walking down the steps. You're like, oh, okay. All right.
0: So that was my my uh, first question is does he leave so quickly because he is embarrassed? <laughs> is he like, ah, oh, I gotta get out of here? Like I don't
1: know. He kind of walked out pretty confident. I think he's feeling pretty good. Basically, so if, he, he, he if, uh,
0: if he could hold his load a little longer, uh, could he have stopped Michael <laughs> and stopped all this from happening?
1: I think that's a good theory. That if, if this guy just had a little more self control, none of the sequels or this any of this would <laughs> have happened. <laughs> Michael
0: comes in with a butcher knife and he's like, "Whoa!" and they like, grabs him and stops the kid. And they talk to the parents, like, "Yeah, you need to get that kid some help." He he came in with a butcher knife.
1: I really um, hope that uh, I really hope that they address this in. That's a character they need to bring back in Halloween Ends. I hope that's... that They brought back a lot of other <laughs> no. characters from the first one. I hope they bring back this guy. So
0: here's so my other question on him. Uh, <laughs> We're going to spend the rest of this episode talking about this guy. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I don't disagree with you. He does leave a little bit cocky and confident. I think that's all an act. I think he's embarrassed. Uh, <laughs> the next day when talks, he toxic, toxic a masculinity dude <laughs> was murdered... <laughs> Is there a tiny piece of him that's relieved that she's not gonna go tell everybody that she came in thirty seconds? <laughs> uh,
1: I don't think I don't think he'll I don't think he'll tell anybody that
0: so the next day this this guy hears on the news or from his parents or friends or something that Judas Myers was murdered and like I imagine is you know pretty upset about that <laughs> uh, but is there a tiny part of him that is relieved uh that he was like staying up night nervous, oh my god, she's gonna tell everyone I'm like a one pump chump and like and now he's like, ah, oh, she can't
1: tell anybody that I came in 30 seconds. <laughs> maybe maybe secretly he's going to my, the grave with her. Maybe he secretly put up Michael, Michael up to all of this. That's <laughs> yeah. that's the big reveal. <laughs> that's the <motivator>. Mike,
0: <laughs> Michael thought he was he was doing him a favor, he's like, bros, bro, buddy, I got yeah. your back. <laughs> no one will know. <laughs>
1: Judith is a terrible babysitter. Um, yeah, I, I think I think there's definitely a chance that he's like slightly relieved that, that nobody will ever nobody will ever know my dark secrets, or he's or he's devastated. He's like, finally found someone who would sleep with me. And her
0: fucking brother has to kill her.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's probably a little more devastating. Um, <laughs> I do hope they bring this guy back, though. As I said, I hope they bring this guy back and Halloween Ends. Maybe I, he's the I guy would, who ultimately defeats Michael. I hope not... Halloween Ends opens with him having sex with somebody <laughs> and coming in a few seconds. Maybe he, hook, he, he hooks up with Laurie at the end. I don't know. Maybe that's, like, the, the big reveal. Uh, um, that would be fantastic. Although, I mean, I guess the
0: timeline, I mean, because Laurie's – She's technically not born yet, right? Like, Older. I, think, I don't know. Well, I guess she would be. It's 15 years, and she's about 70. So she's probably like two at this point.
1: Yeah. Oh, guys. So if, we, if we go down that road, This guy hole, I have to be like it was a feeling
0: is like 80s or something.
1: Hey, hey I have, weirder things have happened. Uh, <laughs> and Nicole Smith married a guy who was like, what, 90 when, when they got married? So it's like, who knows? <laughs> so, so we're really holding out
0: hope Halloween ends as a sustained plot point of an 80-year-old coming
1: uh well yeah yeah i was just gonna say a romance story but if you want to just go and be crass yeah fine let's just say that I, I apparently fine. do all right great good grand great. I, think, I think i'm trying on different uh
0: personas here for the podcast trying to figure out uh how crass <laughs> or
1: how classy i want are, to be are, are we more of a romantic podcast or are we more of a porkies podcast i don't know <laughs> oh, Uh yeah. <God. laughs> uh so Going back on on sort of the some of the big <laughs> scenes uh, that we really liked, I, I liked I do like the which you, did, you didn't have more you didn't have more thoughts on this. Uh, I don't on yeah, this, I mean, on a sex scene. No, because I mean I, I just it's just. You think uh, I covered it all? I think you covered it. I think uh, I feel, uh, and I I feel bad because it's probably where there's scenes where it's like they just did it because they had to advance this movie along. So it's like. That's like one of your point on earlier on being able I to stand see by the it's real, a realistic depiction of teenagers. <laughs> <sex. laughs> it, 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 it kind of is, um, but it, it it does it does feel like one of those areas where they just did this for convenience. Like, all right, we going to move this thing yeah, along? And, and it's, it was what's yeah. funny is the the from a technical standpoint, they had to move the entire scene along because the panic light system. I think it could only shoot like three and or four minutes of film, yeah. and so they had to actually do that when the mask is put onto the face. That's actually a cut point because they had to cut it to do a one take to go all the way up the steps for the POV and then actually have Michael kill the sister, turn around, run back outside, and then then cut to the next shot, which is the parents pulling up. So they actually had to do all of that as fast as possible because technically they were going to run out of film but I like, your right too, I like your theory, it's, it's too. I like your theory, too. It's a technical thing the, of the filming. Which is also... Carpenter was really harping on, on realism for this. <laughs> That's yeah. why he did it. No technical constraints. It was just just a pure, accurate depiction of, of, of being a <laughs> 17-year-old guy.
0: There was some girl in the audience, or woman in the audience, who dated Carpenter when he was, like, 16. And she was like, yeah, makes sense John wrote this. Yeah.
1: She's like, I fucking knew it. <laughs> um, okay. But, so you know, jumping back to uh, jumping back Loomis. to nineteen nineteen seventy eight and Loomis. So Michael escapes, steals a station wagon. Uh, they do a great. I, I I don't know why it just works. Uh, they don't spend too much time. But Michael drives the car away, and it's somebody who's been incarcerated since he was six years old. But there's even a scene where where Loomis is trying to talk to his superior. And they're like, he drove a car. He drove away from here last night. And it's like, well, who taught him to drive? I don't know, but he's doing a
0: very good job last night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's great. I, I bought it. I'm like, okay. So it's 78. You
1: may know better than me. Um, would they have had automatic transmission then? Oh, yeah, no. Automatic transmission's okay. have been around for years. I mean, it was a station okay. wagon, so it probably had one of those column-mounted shifters. Uh, and, and so it probably wasn't like a complicated thing for, for him to figure yeah, out. That's what, everyone always makes a big deal about that. And it's like yeah if it's a stick shift like yeah
0: i could get that i don't i don't think i could drive a stick shift right
1: now um but, i owned a stick shift it would take me a minute to probably get reacclimated to drive it much but if less, it's automatic like yeah no it's, it's automatic not I mean, that hard like <laughs> i think what's more impressive is they show michael obeying like the laws of traffic but <laughs> <Like, like, laughs> like, that seems more implausible that he's like stopping at stop signs he's not rolling those he didn't get to an accident driving from Smiths Grove back to Haddonfield. I uh, I think that's more plausible to me. Him actually figuring the mechanics of driving the car out, like I yeah, I'm on board for that. But him not getting pulled over to me is bullshit. Before he actually gets to Haddonfield. So just my thoughts. And then you know, another thing I don't I don't understand uh, is the buildup of of how when he goes to Haddonfield, so he escapes. Uh, uh, Loomis makes this wild statement about the evil has left, left here. <laughs> um, and then uh, they they later reveal that as Loomis is kind of on his trail, Michael has killed a a mechanic, stolen his jumpsuit, uh, and 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 then uh, drive continues to drive on to Haddonfield. I, what happened there? Like, did he just pull over for like a snack? And he just happened to run into this mechanic because, from from a uh, yeah a plot standpoint, I don't think that actually adds anything other than okay, he got dressed. Right. That's, that that's the
0: only thing I can come up with that it, they couldn't have him in the gown because that be, like people you can't, would you can't get around right flag yeah. that a little bit. Like yeah, and so the first opportunity comes across is this mechanic on the side of the road um and so like just pulls over and kills him and takes his jumpsuit yeah but then they they show um,
1: they show the mechanic dead in the bushes and he's you can see a the reveal if there's blood um but i also think they reveal later on that michael broke into that hardware store which is where you and and he stole the knife and the mask from the hardware store so they sort of say that so i don't know what i'm wondering what he killed that guy with
0: oh that's a good question yeah because we don't see that kill this movie sucks <laughs> stop the podcast. I, uh, yeah. so I, I kind of always assumed like strangulation or like the
1: guy had like a tire iron there. Yeah, it's probably true. I, uh, again, not this movie is not, I, I love this movie. Uh, I'll go at Spoiler alert. I'm going to go ahead and give this uh, five smashing pumpkins, <laughs> but uh, five I, Billy I, Corgans, five Billy Corgans, <laughs> uh, but I, I love the movie. It just was one of those things where, again, you start thinking about it too much and you start seeing small threads and holes in it. And it's like, I don't want to see those things. I just want to enjoy this. But then it's like, well, it's a movie about the boogeyman. <laughs> like,
0: why can my brain make the leap of. <laughs> This, it, 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 this exists, it, it, but then I'm like concerned about like. Well, is it realistic? He stopped at the same payphone as Doctor Loomis did.
1: Yeah. Like I know, I, I'm on, I'm on viewing probably number like 900, and it's like, yeah, and well, just, wait a
0: second.
1: It's like these were also movies that were made at a time where people were nobody thought about. Okay, I, there's going to be. People going and watching this hundreds of times again or right. or seeing it in, in different like you're, formats. You're hoping
0: people go to the theater multiple times and make it a big yeah. hit,
1: but you're never like thinking, like, oh,
0: like maybe it'll be on TV once 10 years from now.
1: Yeah. And in 50 right. years, some dipshit's going to be putting, uh, hitting pause <laughs> on this and studying what is on the screen in high definition. That that's just is not how people put these movies together in 1978. So yeah. I should, I, I, I feel silly nitpicking it because it, it is. It is a small thing I'd never realized until now, but whatever, it doesn't matter. That's uh, yeah, that's some of the fun of
0: watching it so many times, though, of seeing those, and then I think that's what makes a podcast on these things fun, though, when you point those out and then you try to come up with um, either a theory that explains it or works, or um, it's more fun to just enrich the world a little bit of like, so so what is Michael's thought process like during this? I don't know. It's like fun at some point. As long as you're like, you know, it's good natured. Uh but so you mentioned Dr. Loomis talking about like the evil has left here.
2: Evil
1: uh, you do a much better Loomis than me. Um it's because I have a cold or something and I can't. I'm like my I've got post nasal drip that's causing me to talk like that. Uh also
0: you've been drinking out of a uh oh god. Why am I blanking on what the hell do you call those things? Just, uh, the, little telling, thing. <laughs> the little <laughs> thing you keep in your pocket with like, liquor in it.
1: Oh, a flask. Yeah, flask, just, yeah. yeah. Andrew's been a straight like, bourbon bourbon a flask for, for it, the whole morning. Uh, it, it's 8-3 um, in the morning right now. <laughs> just drinking straight bourbon for the last two hours. I uh,
0: know. So that the no evil is left here. Kind of As much as you talked about these movies kind of point the way to the future for horror of what we're going to get in the, um, in the 80s with a ton of slasher movies, and that that reminded me a lot of horror movies from like the forties fifties um, where you just get like a professor type character dumping exposition <laughs> on you um, and I, I love those movies um, but and I, so I'd recently watched Cat People and uh, the original Village of the Dams and so uh, those
1: are some I don't know um, kind it's, of things uh, fresh in my uh, head. Uh, it's Hitchcock and it's Stephen King movie, right? Uh, Hitchcock not. did is ooh. Oh Hitchcock didn't do Village of the damn did he? My bad. Nah. I don't know why I, I thought that I mean, the original no Carp- I well Carpenter so. did possible. the remake though, didn't he? Yeah, in the nineties. Yeah. yeah. That, with with Christopher I've, Reeves as Superman Superman <laughs> <laughs> fight a bunch of demonic. Which I've never children. seen
0: but heard is not is not well regarded is what I recall.
1: Um I wanna see it again. I I saw it okay. when I was really young and I think it was not as bad as people maybe Gave it credit for, uh, but yeah, I'd like to see it again. Anyway, I'm sorry, it took us off off topic. Oh, no, no, ahead.
0: no. I just it's just interesting to I me. Mean, there's still a DNA of um, of horror movies. Uh, this is kind of a bridge from um, maybe some older.
1: Well, that's actually a really good point. Laden
0: ones it, to Car- yeah, just the Car- gore and violence.
1: Well, Carpenter come. Carpenter pulls a lot from uh, was it Howard Hawks movies. From the 50s, and I think what was the that is it the obviously the thing or the thing, thing from another thing from another is another world worlds that sounds right uh because that's exactly. playing on, on the TV during uh during it's in it's in Halloween uh the, some of the characters I think Tommy Doyle and, and Lindsay Wallace were watching it on TV uh during the movie so y- it's fun that Carpenter stitches a lot of his inspirations in from this but I think that's probably got some similar scenes of just. Man. Big exposition. I mean, the, that'd be a, sorry, sorry to catch you up. Go um, do it. That go. Was just, that was just
0: popped in my head. That'd be a fun double feature to do um, on Halloween. Do the Halloween double feature, except you do um, the thing from another world or whatever. And then you do a uh, forbidden planet. The two movies that uh, Tommy and the little girl are watching on TV that um, <laughs> and it's like recreate there's an at what point you're like? Okay, this is when like Michael would have shown up.
1: Well, it's funny because uh, fast forward three or uh, four years from this in Halloween three, they do the same kind of reference back to the movie Halloween <laughs> yeah. 1978 Halloween. So it's, it's kind of funny that like uh, I know Carpenter didn't direct it, but it was done by one of his proteges, uh, Tommy Lee Wallace. Uh, we'll talk more and, and, about it on our six hour Halloween three. Podcast. Oh, I will talk. I will. <laughs> I will. I, I could roll into that cold right now, and I, and we could do easily six hours. Which is ironically triple the uh, the length of the actual movie or more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like...
0: Well, considering we're on like scene three of this movie and we're over an hour,
1: like, yeah. Oh, we're well over an hour. Um, no, all right. So uh, let's go. I'm sorry, I took us way off topic, but oh, no, me too. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, so Michael, fast forward, Michael, Michael makes it to Pasadena, aka Haddonfield, <laughs> Illinois, uh, and they have this this. Uh, great setup, and it's fun. I, I I do like this because the setup is they they cut to Haddonfield, and it's on a, a suburban street uh, on Halloween, October thirty first, and they reveal Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, walking under this this creepy music of uh that was produced by Carpenter, these kind of heavy piano stings, and uh, it's funny because it's gray, it's overcast, but they shot this in California, and they shot I think they shot it in a, a Pasadena neighborhood. And it's funny because as a kid, because of this movie, because of other Carpenter movies, uh, like Christine, for example, I think was shot nearby. I don't know why, but like Pasadena to me just does look have this sort of every town USA suburban feel, Uh, and it's just such a a perfect uh, backdrop. Uh, to set this movie and uh, uh, I don't know why but it just in my head this is what a neighborhood should look like because yeah, it's a this funny movie kind chicken, of establishes like, chicken or an egg thing
0: of uh, do you think that from these movies or do these movies use those locations because that's what they look like similar with like John Hughes movies of uh, Chicago suburbs yeah of that oh that's just what like America like suburbs look like yeah yeah no Hi. I have the same thing
1: You know, and it's funny, maybe there's something that's just not distinct about it, but the setting, and I'll pick on John Hughes as well, is the setting to me is, besides maybe the weather, you really can't tell. It doesn't feel specific to anything. It doesn't have a a distinct enough look to say, okay, that's, you know, that's specifically California. That could be. Yeah. But I also think, too, at the time you're shooting, the, the carpenter was shooting this, you couldn't do that today because now, like, those areas are all, uh, everything's been, um, you know, sort of revitalized or, or, or restored. And so you have these, th- those neighborhoods now are like, back then, are probably, you know, middle, mid- middle class neighborhoods. And now I think that, that neighborhood's probably a pretty expensive place to live. Oh my God. Yeah. I think it was around the corner from Anywhere. the house from, from, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and I think where they were shooting Halloween. And I think that house went for like two or three million dollars recently. Yeah, I say anywhere in Southern California is going to be in in a decent looking
0: neighborhood. Yeah, it's going to be ridiculous. But it it, it is a great. We meet Lori. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, No, and I. um,
1: She says, we meet Lori. She says hello.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She's. Watching, I mean, every time I see, it, I'm struck by how unique she feels as a character in these. And a lot of that's Jamie Lee Curtis, what she's bringing to it. But some of it is how it's written on the page. That, um, she's so kind and smart, and but still identifiable with. It's it feels so unique to other like slasher movies to come of um, at this point, they don't really wouldn't really be thinking of her as like a final girl, but that's kind of what it, but um, she feels so much more real to me as a person than really other final girls we later get who feel just like caricatures of this idea.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that was, that was something I wanted to talk about too, that this, this is maybe the archetype for, for what slashers are. And it's slashers, it's a weird, it's weird to use that term because here, this is really more of, if you, if you watch it now, I, I think with a, I don't want to say clear head about it, but it, you know, if if you can, if you can separate it from what the genre established has become, um, this is probably more of a thriller than an outright horror movie, I think in some ways. Uh, and uh, they spend a lot of time building up uh, Laurie Strode, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, and her friends. And I think a lot of that's been attributed to, to Deborah Hill. But what's interesting here is they do spend a lot of time establishing that Laurie's not like her friends. She's not the typical kind of high school kid who just doesn't have any cares or, or you know, worry about school. But she's, you know, she's very smart. Um, she's, she's thoughtful. She's caring. Um, she spends a lot of the movie or the back half of the movie very concerned about the safety of the kids she's babysitting. And it's funny that this launches uh, the slasher genre, which wh- where you know Laurie is the final girl. She survives the killer and, and de- ultimately defeats him. Uh, well, sort of Loomis kind of does that. But, uh, uh, you know, ultimately she's 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 sort of the protagonist throughout the whole movie. And all of the sequels are uh, not sequels, excuse me, but all of the sort of follow on copycats of Halloween, they just are taking sort of a, a more derivative dumbed down version of of laurie strode is the final girl and and taking away a lot of agency and, and it really kind of becomes this thing throughout the 1980s of of just putting an attractive woman in a, in a dangerous situation and sort of taking away a lot of agency and they just sort of by dumb luck on you know ultimately defeat the the villain you know a good example to me was Friday the 13th, part three, right? They, she just pushes him out of a barn. There happens to be a noose <laughs> in the barn. And this girl who's just screaming and panicking just happens to push push my uh, Jason out of a, a, a barn and kill him or whatever, or hit, or hit him in the head with a machete. Here, you just have so much more depth in your characters. And I think that's, again, why this movie works uh, so well is, is that there's a lot of care put into fleshing them out, making them real people, um, but not making them just, kind of brainless characters that are that are designed to be killed off which is again where the series the this series and and then uh the genre as a whole starts to to kind of gravitate into it it becomes about the kills and this movie is much more about the characters and i think that's a big distinguisher between this and sort of everything that comes after it yeah and they do <clears throat> such
0: a good job of making Laurie feel like a real person they show her in the classroom where she's clearly distracted, but the teacher asks her a question that she answers like perfectly. Um, about, and it just is like, oh, like she is like almost too smart for this place. And well, they said this, and mean, she's
1: probably really bored. They say that boy, she's like, boys don't like me because I'm too smart, and I think that's um, that's probably true at this time, nineteen seventy eight, um, right? But she
0: also seems to have, like. She also expresses quite a bit of anxiety about boys as well, that just makes her feel, she's not, um, I know there's like a term for this, but I don't really want to go, um, that has gotten complicated, but she's not like perfect. She's not awesome at everything. Oh, she's, some of she's,
1: a, she's just a normal person. In this. Yeah,
0: and some of that's Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, she does such a good job, particularly with performing with the kids when she's babysitting them, of finding that line of She's kind. The kids like her and appreciate her. Um, but as an adult, you can see the moments where she's like, "Yeah, the kids are
1: like a little annoying, and I'm humoring them." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think Jamie Lee Curtis kind sort of. Again, I go back to, uh, and I say it a bunch, but this movie just has so much talent in it. Uh, in the first one, behind the screen, or, or sorry, behind the camera, you've got Carpenter Hill and Cundy. Plus a lot of other people that are that are putting this together, and then in front of it, you've got really for half the movie or more, you've got Jamie Lee Curtis uh, is, is your lead. And I, I think now is it was this her first movie or her first really her first leading role? I think
0: I believe
1: so. I should probably um, have known that before we did this, but <laughs> but no, I mean it definitely is. Um, that's why I think these these later movies just sort of get a little bit. Uh, worse is not the right word, but they're maybe not. At, they don't live up to the first one because once you get away from Carpenter and and, and Curtis as, as your sort of anchor points for the for the franchise, it just gets a little worse and, and create creatively. Uh, you know the whole the whole thing starts to kind of fall apart after probably part two. Um, so uh, Laurie Strode I think you know ends up becoming a high point in these movies, and it's it's interesting. We'll talk more in the sequels, but I think uh jamie lee curtis's career trajectory and carpenters too and their reluctance to come back to the series probably hurt it but it's interesting that there's a a full circle that we'll cover in, in the next movie uh with curtis coming back to the series to sort of punctuate laurie strode's story and i think i think that's kind of what i believe halloween ends is going to be is um and, and jamie lee curtis has been has played laurie strode for five decades which is crazy uh at yeah. this point but yeah. um uh, I think she she's coming into it now wanting to punctuate this storyline so it, it, it'll be interesting because none of the other slashers movies that, that that were launched from halloween have had that kind of consistency in them
0: yeah uh, but it, so Jamie Lee Curtis had done some tv before this but that was um but nothing big i like, um kind of more just a role in like an episode of something here or there so yeah this was definitely her big really the first time audiences would be seeing her at as a, as a lead. Um, but just so I was into it uh, Lori, one of the things I love what they do, they really uh, nicely juxtapose some her two friends, Linda and Annie. And so Linda's a bit of an, I think I'm getting these right. Linda's PJ Souls, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she uh, is a bit of an earhead, but clearly very comfortable with boys, um, not much into school. And it really, helps to show lori's discomfort with boys um and where her focus is on things what her concerns are and then simultaneously annie is the the, like i want to say the worst babysitter but a shit babysitter and (laughs) you really appreciate that lori is like a fantastic babysitter um and like responsible and caring and it just it goes a long way to the character of um but it, it also helps because if she was just on her own super responsible teenager you'd be, but she is friends with these people and they're obviously like her and are trying to get her to do things and participate in their shenanigans um, and that so it really pulls some different things out of the character that you get to see but as an audience you really feel for her that like when like she hasn't done anything wrong she's like trying to do like the right stuff be responsible take care of these kids and like the fact that she has to deal with michael myers coming after her like she's already having to deal with her friends trying to get laid constantly and screwing <laughs> up her babysitting job <laughs> uh you just like you just really feel for her as uh, as an audience that uh like yeah i don't know uh, I, I don't want to I... say i can identify with a killer coming after me but <laughs> Not yet um you um, feel a lot of empathy for her
1: yep you do and I, I think um it's funny uh pj souls is linda in this so two years before this she's in carrie and she kind of plays the same character of of, of uh ditzy high, high school girl that that doesn't seem to have a care in the world um i think that's again they spend some time uh building those characters up so that later on later on it does pay off when there's actually some stakes, and and you know you see Michael stalking Yeah, you, you care about him uh, uh, through yeah. Lori's lens of exactly, exactly, and I, and that that sets up the the whole ending, the whole reveal where um we can talk about Michael's uh, decorating abilities. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, um, in hour five of this podcast, we can talk about his decorating. <laughs> uh, uh, but the French um, way of Michael. It, it, the build up of those characters does set up for that that big third act reveal where michael's taken uh taken out all of her friends and he's them around the uh whose house are they in are they in the wallace's house no they're in that the little girl
0: that yeah, annie's watching it's Lindsay wallace's Lindsay. house right it's it's a Lindsay wallace that is tommy
1: no i i don't know all Nicely. right <laughs> oh god it's all falling apart the wheels have come off um but it, it's a it's it, it does build to this big 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 climax of of Laurie finding all of her friends dead and then uh, having to fight off Michael at the end and I, I think uh, oh is that, that which one's Laurie in? yeah I think she's, she's in, in the Doyle house. house right she is okay oh, no, no it is Tommy Doyle okay yeah so she's in the Doyle house and then I don't I don't fucking know <laughs> do you think Tommy Doyle later becomes Tommy Five Tone? tie <laughs> this back to every single episode we've ever done. Um, oh my but God. yeah, <laughs> so so we have we have this good buildup of them at the high school. Uh, another really uh, fun touch they they sprinkle throughout the movie with this is uh, Michael just sort of stalking them. Uh, and I, uh, I what I really liked was the the whole part the scene where uh, Michael's driving around. It's fun to me that Michael's just driving around uh, in Paddenfield in the station wagon wearing this uh white uh white painted uh William Shatner mask. Uh which oh that I want to say one more thing on that. So apparently at one point uh they were looking at masks and trying to evaluate what Michael Myers or the shape was going to look like. Uh and I guess uh Tommy Lee Wallace was doing set decoration and costume stuff and went and got a uh a Spock mask. Uh so the notorious or famously it's it's a it's a William Shatner um halloween mask that they painted white and took the eyebrows off of and that was what became the the michael myers mask but they were going to do they did look at using a spock mask and i just have to ask you you're a star trek fan i mean yeah. is this a different series if you have a spock mask <laughs> as the basis for your for your character i i just can't imagine <laughs>
0: becoming a franchise
1: is <laughs> the movie is the movie better or worse with the, with the spock
0: mask uh i i assume it has the ears on it and that's going to be so distinctive that i just think michael becomes
1: laughable like instantly follow-on question if they switched it to a a wharf uh mask later on with michael myers has a giant Ridge Much better. forehead. <laughs> Much better.
0: people more. I want Michael Dorn in a time machine going back. That <laughs> sounds
1: like... Uh, I was just playing like, Michael,
0: playing the shapes.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I hope so. So um, hey, It's a good day to die and kill <laughs> <laughs> uh, Like, what is he, a Klingon? Yeah, so if he has a Klingon mask as a basis for <laughs> <laughs> Michael Myers later, is that scarier or less scary? Um, but no, it's this fun, fun build with... Uh, uh, Myers cruising around Haddonfield and s- slowly stalking Laurie. And they, they, they show it obviously when she's in the classroom and he's just standing out the window um, lo- looking at her. And then obviously he's stalking her, her and her friends as they, they walk around Haddonfield. And then there's that great um, build up to me of, of he drives by and I think Annie screams at him and says, Hey, speed kills. And he just stops <laughs> the car. And it's like, okay, you don't really know what he's going to do. And it's this fun Cat and mouse—they set up um, of, you know, he's dangerous. You know, something bad's going to happen, but you never really get a sense. Again, if you're watching this for the first time, I think you don't really get a sense of what is he going to do and, and what is he after. And uh, um, you just,
0: yeah, you can just feel the tension building. You feel like a collision is coming
1: between it, these characters. Well, and then the, 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 uh, the next one I was going to point to is an actual collision of. Uh, they they cut to. Uh, Michael at the school where Tommy Tommy Doyle is leaving uh, who will be uh, later be uh, babysat by by Laurie and that's they've they've set that up earlier in the movie but I think that was as a kid one of the scariest things to me was these bullies are picking on Tommy he uh, he drops his pumpkin uh, which is a really sad moment for him <laughs> yeah. And you see him sort of Charlie Brown his way out of the playground. But <laughs> when the, the bullies are running away from that, uh, they're kind of laughing and running. And one of them runs up the sidewalk and then runs straight into Michael. And, and Michael kind of catches him and grabs him with his arms. And just the kid just freezes. And you don't see Michael. There's no reveal. It's just his. It's sort of his shoulders down. And it's such an effective shot because the kid's reaction tells you everything you need to know about it. And it just seems like such a, a terrifying thing because then – it cuts to the bully running away and then it's, the, it's Michael going to get in the car and he's slowly stalking Tommy uh, through the schoolyard. And, and yeah. again, you just, you just have no idea what to expect. And it, and it's, I remember as a kid, it was just super effective to me because it, you, you, nobody feels safe. And it, you know, they, they, they started establishing some slasher rules here, but, but at this point you really don't know, okay. Or is he going to attack this kid? You, you just don't well, know it, what to do. And think. it's
0: showing how vulnerable, yeah, they are. It's like at any moment he could kill these kids. Like, and it's it's like oh my god. Like, and it's so it's just introducing that element of fear into what should be a safe environment, particularly around like a school, where it's like yeah, I send my kids there every day,
1: like, every day. <laughs> uh But I, I think that slow burn, again, to me was why Halloween is is so good, and it. Again, I'll, I'll keep. I'll stop saying it. because I keep saying it. But the genre does such a, a a poor job later on of of cutting out the things like that that work, and that's what made this so good, and just focusing on more of the violence. And and, and here, this is this is largely kind of a, a a bloodless movie. I think Michael kills Judith, which is actually probably the most gory scene in the movie. And then uh, I don't think anybody besides the tow truck driver, it, it, nothing happens really until I think Annie gets killed. The, yeah, uh, I think later that, that night after after she goes to, to... Uh,
0: well I mean he he does kill a dog. He does kill a dog. <laughs> and and eat it.
1: I actually I think he kills two dogs. I think because, because he must uh, because
0: he gets Loomis the, uh, Loomis Doug and Yeah, Loomis
1: yeah. and Sheriff Brackett meet up and uh <laughs> um they go to the Myers old house, which is, is run down and, and empty now, and they find a what they believe is a dead dog that looks like Michael, <laughs> which I think that's my that's probably my favorite Loomis line. was I think Brackett's like shining a flashlight around the house and like looks over and there's a dead dog. And and Loomis is just like, he was hungry. And I'm just like, <laughs> so he just killed and ate, a, ate raw meat from a dog? Um, like, <laughs> I, I, what is that?
0: I really feel for Sheriff Brackett in this movie. Because he's like pretty game to go along with Loomis. And it's like, all right, just in case you're right, like, we'll do this. Um, but it's like, it's just Loomis telling these crazy
1: stories. <laughs> he's, he's talking about this guy he's looking for his eating dogs. <laughs> I know Br- Bracket, uh, Bracket always seems slightly skeptical, but also nonplussed about like, a crazy man who's got a firearm who's who's talking to him about another crazy man running around in the streets with no real evidence that anything's happened, other than like uh, it's his the reveal. Been, like, that, I better just keep an eye on this Loomis character. <laughs> like, that's probably true. That's probably what Brackett was doing. Was like, uh, this guy's more dangerous than whatever he's telling me is potentially out here. Yeah, but I Which mean I
0: also feel for Brackett because uh, his his daughter gets murdered. <laughs>
1: uh yeah, that's a, another another important point. Is, is Annie uh, uh, Laurie's friend is also Sheriff Brackett's uh, daughter. And and that will come back uh, in Halloween Kills, and we'll talk about it. But they they do it, that that again. we jump, I'm jumping ahead, but is a fun <laughs> a fun pull that, that a lot of the characters that are setting up and establishing in this uh, that survive it survive the night do do have a payoff uh, in in some of the future movies. So I think that's a that's a really fun touch that that the Blumhouse uh, sequels brought to the table.
0: Yeah, so I um, I'm excited to see that it's fun. Going back, and they've done a pretty good job of uh, casting those people as well for some well, of that flashback uh, stuff. And, like, um,
1: yeah, Bracket um, is, was Charles Cyphers. They bring him, like, tra- Charles Cyphers actually comes back for the movie, uh, plays the old Bracket. And I think, and we'll again, we'll talk about it, but there's a fun, I think you're talking about that fun cut where they, yeah, they do in Halloween Kills, it opens with a, a, a time hop back to 1978, and it, it does feel you know, somewhat period for, for what it is. I think that was a fun, that's a really fun touch. We'll talk about it. I'm sorry. I'm jumping away. No, 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 you no. Know, you're doing a good job of hitting the whole
0: second act is just seeing Michael them and building that tension until you get to the the nighttime when they're babysitting. And um, it, it does a great job of, but Annie is so focused; she wants her boyfriend Paul to come over because Annie is like the horniest character <laughs> in movie history. <laughs> uh, and Linda's tooling around with her, her boyfriend uh, Bob, and they're basically like just looking for a place to screw <laughs> while they drive around drinking beer. Even though Bob's uh, got an awesome
1: van, yeah, or you I uh, can go to uh, and awesome classes. I do want to talk about yeah. uh, Bob's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar level glasses that he <laughs> he wears because those are a plot point later on. Oh, they are. They are. That, yeah. Uh,
0: so we're kind of at a point now where they've established the three girls, um, and generally, you like them a I still think Annie kind of comes across as a bitch, but it seems like that's mostly motivated by her being super horny.
1: Yeah, I don't. I- I wonder if they had a chance to do it again, if they would, if they would present it that way, it feels like they had PJ souls thrown into the Linda role as like a, they're okay. We kind of have one stereotype. We want to have one extreme. I think they're trying to show Laurie's centered somewhere in the middle. And I think, so I think they write the characters uh, a little two dimensionally, but they're trying, it's almost like they're trying to, Showed some juxtaposition for for what Laurie is going to be set up as as a character, which I get, but it doesn't do Annie as a character any favors. No, but she really comes across as like she just needs to get laid,
0: like honestly, like <laughs> she seems super frustrated.
1: Yeah, I I
0: think um, it is kind of like projecting that onto Laurie a little bit too. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, a little, and, and that's where it, it's it's tough because if they're just doing all this stuff to, to for for basically to build the the plot to a point where, okay, we have to, we do have to dispatch these characters. Uh, and so, and we have to do it. I think there was a, there was obviously an intent to not, to not put the kids ever in harm's way. So they have to have a reason yeah. for why like all these teenagers, they're supposed to be babysitting and being responsible are also like ditching their kids with Lari because she's <laughs> the responsible. one. So it's like, all right, we got to set up that for whatever reason, Annie's got to go see your boyfriend. Um, and, and so, that's actually like a pretty freaky, uh, freaky kill. And that's, that's probably the first, I think it's the first kill you see on screen besides, well, no, it's not. I'm sorry. After Judith, it's the first one you see on screen because Annie Annie's leaves um, uh, Lindsay with, uh, with Laurie, yeah, so she's gonna babysitter. She's going
0: to drive to go get her boyfriend, Paul, which I, I'll be having I watch this. All I can think about is. Um, is like, I mean, I guess not a bullet, but how much of a butcher's knife did Paul dodge? Like, he easily could have been there and killed. And it yeah. was like the timing Again, just worked out right for him.
1: Bring him back in the next one. Let's see him. That's the way all uh, the other characters we haven't talked about. <laughs> that's one of my
0: favorite little touches in this movie. So Annie's babysitting Lindsay, drags her over uh, to where Lori is, drops her off because she wants to go get her boyfriend. Uh, she goes to the garage uh, and it looks like she's going to borrow the car of the people she's babysitting for, which is a pretty ballsy move.
1: <laughs> yeah, they nobody gives a shit about anybody's property in
0: this. Yeah, like that's I the mean, one. I guess weird... it's the seventies, but uh, which I, I actually have a question related to that. But the, the first, the kill of Annie, I love so much. Um, the, how they set this up and they establish how distracted Annie is of yeah. her focus is getting Paul over. So she goes to get in the car and the doors are locked. So she has, so she goes back in the house, gets the keys, comes back to the car, opens the door, and the door is unlocked. She didn't have to unlock it with the key. I missed that. I, I, I never realized that. I know. Before. I don't always, and even having, I've noticed it before, but I don't always notice it when I watch it because you're caught up in like, oh, Michael's like, because you know, oh, what's it. Michael doing? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think this is like kind of a fear everyone has a little bit, or as it can relate to, where Michael has it's unlocked because Michael's gotten in the car, and he's in the back seat, like hidden down. And I think we've all had that time where you're like getting in a car and like a dark street. And you're like, oh, like I want to check the back seat, or even worse, like what Annie's doing. You're kind of like in a rush, jump in the car, and drive off, and you have that like moment of like, oh, it's pitch black. There could be someone
1: in the back seat. Well, um, I I, th- I think that's a great point, right? Like they, her reveal is, or, or she realizes something strange only when she starts looking at the condensation. Yeah, that's from the, yeah inside the car. Was like, that's, it's like all that's fogged up cool... in the
0: car because someone's been in there breathing.
1: Yeah, and. then and that's another fun touch throughout the whole movie too but this one this scene especially is all you get is from michael in terms of sound it's just that breathing that this heavy kind of under the mask breathing uh and it's such a creepy uh, yeah it's just like it yeah <laughs> it's very it's very effective michael never talks he just it's just that heavy sort of labored breathing and that's all you really get from him yeah
0: uh, and i love that it's shot her and i i you wouldn't necessarily think you'd see this in Four years later in a slasher, but her death is shot through that condensation, that fog yeah. on the window. So it's obscured a bit. And a, an, I love that's our first kill since the beginning. Kind of that first one is shocking. So we really see it. And this one's kind of
1: escalating the kills up. Yeah. Well, and, and then again, if you watch this for the first. I, I do wish I could go back and watch this for the first time and just not have any context from yeah um, Halloween and the zeitgeist or Michael Myers or, or knowing what's going to happen, but it, it is a really cool. Um, uh, now, you know, the gloves are off and you know, the, 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 the third act, it's basically the third act starting is that I think that moment, because now he's Michael's after all for friends. Uh, he's actually starting to turn to put whatever, whatever his plan is uh, into action. <laughs> yeah and they pretty quickly go after that to bob and linda getting there um and then and uh going into the house and then uh while they're fooling around michael sneaks back into the house again to to dispatch them so um it the movie really really ramps up pretty fast right after this
0: yeah cuz it i always think about it in terms of cuz we and we kind of talked about it this way a bit As well you have the very opening then you have the the credits which you actually didn't talk about which are really cool and effective with that music and the slow zoom in on the pumpkin then you have the loomis michael escaping stuff and then you kind of have the sustained second act that kind of runs together but is just so effective of building up these characters building up the suburban neighborhood and then it's really like you get a little bit of them initially babysitting but then you just kind of hit this 20 minutes of intensity like it's just um like really like michael's coming and like it's yeah it gets pretty um i don't know if in 2022 maybe scary is not quite the right word um but it definitely gets intense um and to your point it'll be closer to a thriller a bit but in 78 people i'm guessing we're going to see this in the theater um it's probably pretty scary yeah
1: final uh, 20 minutes well and we're, we're i had that note uh when i was going through my re- re- reading my notes was i paused this at the hour and 11 minute mark I, I think i got up to to get something to eat or something but uh there was 20 minutes left in it and it was i think right right when um linda and bob are killed and it's like man right after that it's like this movie it's crazy to think that there's only 20 minutes left, and they wrap up they wrap up the movie very in a very satisfying manner, like in that of time, and it, yeah. and it pays off. Um, I, I do want to talk. <laughs> we talked about it a little bit, uh, but uh, when Bob and Linda are fooling around, um, Bob Bob goes downstairs to get like more beer. I guess this is the introduction of. Um, uh, low morals teens being killed in slasher <laughs> movies i guess that's like bob and linder like the the prototype for that but um I, I think the most probably the most violent well maybe not most violent but uh one of the most sort of terrifying in terms of showing his capabilities uh kills was was um bob's getting beers he thinks he hears something in the kitchen and all of a sudden michael just flies out of the pantry throws his hand against his throat, lifts him against the wall and then puts a knife through his chest that pins him to the, to the wall suspended, you know, suspended in the air a a foot or two. And then Michael just, you know, turns his head and stares at him. And I think that's a super effective moment of just, you get, you get a quick glimpse of the sort of veracity of, of Michael Myers, uh, as the shape. And, uh, but it does lead up to what (laughs) was one of the funniest things to me after that is, uh, Michael Myers takes Bob's glasses off, <laughs> uh, uh, puts, but, puts a sheet over his head. Uh, and before then, you
0: go into that one,
1: uh, can we stay on the Bob kill a little
0: bit? Sure. Um, yeah, because I just I somewhat repeat what you're saying, but um, I love that it's violent in a way that is not like gore or blood. It's violent with like the speed in which brutal. he does it. Yeah. It's like watching... A football game, and like a linebacker, like annihilates a receiver going over the middle. Like it's just like holy shit. It's like <laughs> it's, it's like terrifying. And it, um, after seeing Annie's where she struggles and he's in the back seat and it takes a while, and then I, I do think the gender change is important here too. Is that Annie seems a little more helpless and it's like well maybe Bob can put up more of a fight. Nope. And it's like no, it's just like instant death. Um, and he's so the and I mean the physics be damned that he can hang him on a door with a knife. Um, through, or, uh, but or, really, or lift him
1: one armed. Yeah,
0: it's like them. holy shit. Michael is unstoppable.
1: Like it, it does, is, it does, it does build the lore of Michael. That that scene, that's that scene alone right there probably builds the lore of Michael having superhuman strength and and being. I don't want to use words, no, I'll say supernatural, but in the sense of it's, there, there's something else yeah, going on here that you don't quite know. It's kind of
0: touching on the supernatural to a bit of, yeah, but believable. And then you get the, um, the great, like, Michael Myers, like, head tilt where he's looking at the body where it's like, oh, like, he has a fascination with death. Um, yeah. In some way that he's... Either this fascinates him or he doesn't fully understand it or... There's something happened like something mentally with him. The wheels are turning where, that we we don't have access to, but is a little frightening.
1: Well, and okay. I, I I like that about this movie is uh, there's not a lot of exposition about his motivation, and I think that's a strength yes. of this movie. And it, which makes it way scarier. It does because because it is an unknown. It, it you know we we kind of laughed about Jaws earlier, but it's kind of the same thing of like you don't okay what's a shark's motivation it's the you know what uh what is it's uh They like quinto's a. Like, oh no it, it's uh um, it's hooper's Cooper. line of, of yeah, like, 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 all it's designed to it's like the perfect killing and make machine. baby sharks and yeah that's and, it and, and, oh, and yeah. that's it and that's kind of what I, I think is is the fun part of of michael myers is you don't need you don't need gobs of exposition <laughs> to understand it. it it's just teenagers that's <laughs> it that's all that's all he does <laughs> <laughs> um uh so i again this this does a great job of establishing there's obviously something very 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 dangerous and 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 maybe even supernatural about him yet um you don't have to have all the context of of why he's doing what he's doing you just know you you should be scared and i think uh, uh you know it's it's fun to see this movie not um being burdened or put upon by trying to build up its own lore it's just it's establishing stuff and that's that's a nice it's nice to see that there's not like a, and carpenter is really good at this of not not trying to just give the audience too much it's just it's showing you something scary and and letting you to some extent come to your own conclusions whether that's intentional or not i don't know but but yeah and, and, and <laughs> it works so well on this movie um but okay, then it's but, weird so that's so serious and then the next scene, <laughs> like, it's such a serious, scary scene. The next scene is um, you see uh, Linda upstairs calling Laurie. And then you see uh, what, what could be perceived as Bob coming through the door with a sheet on his head and holes cut out like a ghost with his glasses over the top of it. It is ridiculous that Michael Myers...
0: Would cut eye holes out and dress up as a ghost and go stand in the door with the glasses. Just put it so uh, over the, the top.
1: Well, again, he's got these Kareem Abdul-Jabbar like level, like uh, you know, NBA safety glasses <laughs> glasses on. And then it, it's just interesting. I, I don't really quite fully understand what they're going for. Uh, for for setting up. Michael Myers doing that, but I I enjoy it. It's just it's funny, uh. But it it, it's, I don't know. It's interesting way to build suspense for the audience, uh. Because obviously the audience knows it's not Bob, but um, it's probably like the most prolonged. You see Michael Myers on the screen, kind of ahead of a ahead of doing something nefarious. Is just him hanging out in the in the doorway for like thirty seconds, pretending to be Bob for no real reason. Uh, yeah I can't I always wrap my head around
0: like what why why this choice like um, like there's just a million other ways you could have um, Linda like go looking for Bob you could have her go to the bathroom that's what I was like maybe, maybe, there.
2: Yeah, maybe or she's establish. on the phone with
0: Lori and facing the wrong way or but she's just sitting in bed um, and goes through this whole like comedic
1: bit of like okay i'm just gonna you're pissing me off at this point i'm just gonna finally i'm gonna i'm gonna ignore you and that's what prompts michael to 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 attack her yeah that's what i I, that was the only thing i could think was the motivation was they need they need a a way for him to get across the room to her without tipping her her off and knowing that there's there's something wrong um so that it's a it's a uh I don't know it's a funny touch. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I'm glad it's there. I still enjoy <laughs> it. I don't care. It's still, still a lot of fun to me. So, but that that also is when Laurie finally realizes there's something wrong because she's she's strangled by uh, the telephone. Uh, the, see if they had cell phones. If this happened in 2018, this this never would have happened to poor Linda because uh, um, she's killed by the court of uh uh, uh, uh the house phone.
0: So, and what I love in that moment is the sounds of her being killed also potentially sounds like the sounds of someone having an orgasm or more like faking an orgasm. And there's this ongoing thing of for Lori, are Annie and Linda just kind of fucking with her and just like teasing her. Yeah, a bit because we've established that's kind of their personality a bit in the movie. It's Halloween night, so are they like doing some like prank calls to her? Are they? Uh, and it's, it's you could entirely see a world where like that is what they're doing. Like they're calling her either trying to like scare her about or calling her making like lewd noises. Uh, because that one hundred percent seems like something they something would do. somebody's friends would do. And yeah. so it's so effective at like lore. And Jamie Lee Curtis is a great job of. She's alarmed at to the appropriate level of, okay, there's like a 20% chance this is like real and like, I'd really need to like, it's really scary and I'm a little freaked out by it, but more realistically, these are people like fucking with me and it's annoying. Well, it's it's and, just
1: enough for her to have to actually go check but she out. She
0: does show like legitimate, like, okay, I'm concerned. And, like, I want to get some confirmation this is just my friends messing with me. Yeah. Because it is concerning. And like, so it's not, she's not, like, the... You see a lot of slasher movies where those same things happen, and the person's like, oh, Bob, is that you? <laughs> and it's, like, portrayed with, like, no fear, no anything. And it's just like, yeah, this character's a moron. Like <laughs>
1: uh, Again, I, the strength of this movie is, is the characters, or... or- or fairly developed here and, and, and like have legitimate reactions. Yeah. They're, they're not, they're not just, uh, I, I would say there's a lot more of uh, the Linda character in slasher movies after this. And yes. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they is... took the wrong lesson from the yeah, wrong character. Exactly. <laughs> Although she is the one who's topless, So
0: I think that's, that's the lesson they were taking. That was their takeaway was that sells. We're going to just keep <laughs> doing that for yeah.
1: about a decade.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and actually, I, I don't know if they were wrong. <laughs> if any, if they're just no, trying it, to make no, it, it,
1: it worked. I'd say it, it, it worked because that's definitely like a there was definitely a quota they had to hit for that for for a while in these movies. Which so. is, I
0: I watched a blowout yesterday, the yeah. Palma movie, uh, which is like a combination remake of Blow Up and The Conversation, kind of. Uh, yeah. But uh, the opening it's such a De Palma thing to do. The opening is, uh, John Travolta's character is a sound guy, and the opening is like a slasher movie where it's a POV of this guy outside a sorority house and looking in at numerous like either naked or scantily clad women. And it's such a diploma thing to figure out a way... To like, oh, they're these sleazy movies, and I'm intrigued by them and like want to get that nudity into my movie. And he does it in a way of like, oh, they're making one of these movies. And so I'm just like commenting on, look at these like lowbrow sleazy movies.
1: It's like, it's like, but you're putting that in your movie too, De Palma. Like, yeah, it does feel like, uh, it just feels like such a lot. Yeah, but like, um, he, it definitely,
0: it, it just, yeah, he, it's just, yeah, he's got I, I, some, he's got some, uh, Things going on,
1: I, I think um, <laughs> he definitely lost a little bit of luster in my mind uh, after we watched, um, and we did it. We were we were listening to another podcast, and and we they they covered the movie. But what was the um, the uh, oh body double? Yeah, and uh, that's a few years after after blowout. And body double has for no reason a like weird left turn. <laughs> um, Southern California porn scene subplot there where one, the, one of the characters becomes a porn star to investigate a murder, and it's like it takes place in the course of like three days, and it's just it's such a weird. I'm like, okay, I'll say d- like De-, De-, De Palma's just creepy. Weird. Like, like that's but the that stuff I like have. sticks with you. Like, I, I, it, I don't, I really, I
0: think about it a lot. <laughs> I do because I don't so forget weird. it. So credit to him as a filmmaker, like he's able to make things that stay with me. But I'm always like,
1: man, but there's a lot. I don't of, know about there's A lot of maybe character flaws of
0: him that's <laughs> showing yes, up in that yes yes it's like uh he's an interesting guy you know, yeah like, some parts of his psyche on screen that uh, oh i don't think he's
1: putting part of his right. psyche on the screen i think he's put a little <laughs> something else on screen <laughs> so but yeah but, i i uh i, I but do. anyway think, so for what you're talking about that
0: it's pretty funny that movies yeah, yeah that,
1: that yeah de palma does it, it's it's definitely a hat on a hat but it it's not without merit of why he's doing it in and, and blowout because these movies definitely take a take a pretty hard left turn into that uh probably around like I mean it's probably you know what's it called uh Friday the thirteenth the first one I mean that's that prominently features naked people.
0: Yeah which then, so I which is crazy. Blowout is eighty one. Yeah. So that's it's already that trope is being lampooned in a movie.
1: But I, I think um I'm trying to think I can't remember if the burning came out before or after this, but I know that uh, um, after Halloween came out, it was a huge success, and again made for very little money. So I'll, that became the the thing that people pointed to, saying, "Okay, horror, you can you can get this gigantic return for very little investment." Yeah. And Which, I th- I, and I don't know if Halloween, no, because even the studio system
0: would put out some horror schlock it's they, always been horror they we can oh, we can turn out low budget and people turn out for it and you make a quick buck on it i think this was maybe the first like oh you can make a lot of money yeah,
1: yeah. and 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 if you would if you and, you and i used to talk about this a lot especially with the friday the 13th movies where the trajectory was like you would put out a movie for maybe a half a million to a million bucks and it's like well, you still only did a box office of like 20 to 25 million, and it doesn't sound like it's a huge movie, but it's like, well, relative to the return of, of what you put into it, that's gigantic. Like, yeah. you just made your money back like 10x without really and, – and you're cranking one of those out every single year. So it's it's hard to – that's why you, yeah, I think it became so much around, okay, we're going to focus on, on nudity. We're going to focus on the kills and – we're going to string a plot it. together, yeah. cause than right. taking the time to establish character. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I would argue that Halloween is maybe more of like a, an artsy movie no, I want to say artsy. It's probably it's probably being a little too generous, but I, I think it's, um, it, it's definitely not after those things. Is, is it's is it's high watermarks or it's maybe it's tent poles to keep it going? Um, it's definitely Carper trying Carpenter and Hill trying to tell a story about, um maybe maybe feet the fear fear being injected in, into suburbia and i think <laughs> to your point then anybody after this takes all the wrong things away but they make these huge piles of money doing yeah. it and it's so it's yeah, kind of so like I, I see why they but it, it. it
0: runs it, the genre into the ground at some point though, it does it's it, yeah, problem.
1: It, <laughs> it definitely burns out by the uh the end of uh, of the 80s i think and uh even even like some of the later sequels for halloween uh, it's funny they kick off the trope and then end up having to lean on the trope later to actually make their movies successful. So it's it, it's it's weird how it, how again how full circle this, it, like, this all feeds goes. on itself. Yeah, yeah.
0: So all right, so um, I, I don't really have any more to add to it. I just want to go on the record. I'm not a fan of the Bob, the Michael putting the shoot on Bob's glasses, but it always bumps me out of the movie a little bit of why this is so goofy and weird. I like it. Um, i mean like yeah i don't agree to disagree the movie like, i mean I, I would not change anything in it or take it like i think like, it's a masterpiece of a movie so like don't go pulling on threads of that but it's always such a bizarre moment <laughs> it,
1: it is it is i uh, and i, I think right? it's i think it's
0: fun it's like a i guess weird... it plays into the theme of teenagers pranking each other
1: well, and, and, and technically michael's a teenager, badly. right in this um he's uh, 20, like 21 no, I think he'd be 20 I think they yeah. established him as 20 like about 21 21 to 23 yeah but I, again I don't know what they're trying to accomplish with it you could argue maybe it harkens back to when he kills his he killed his sister Judith when he's a kid he put a mask on before he did that even though he's already wearing a mask I mean there, there's a lot of things you could probably point to it's tough to Right, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't quite. Yeah, I don't it too I don't, much. It's, I think, I think we are cool thinking, to, we are going way deeper on the psychology of this than Carpenter ever did when he put it
0: together. It's like, but it's, I think you're right. It was probably uh, we need to get Michael from A to B
1: in a yeah. believable way, and like, yeah, and they did it, and the rest <laughs> is history. Um, but so th- that sets up the third it, act of, of Laurie. Well, oh, it also oh, plays
0: oh. into Michael's need to uh, his flair for like.
1: Uh, Visual <laughs>
0: dramatics,
1: which they, or they dramatic reveal, staging of, of things. They reveal with Laurie when she 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 gets into the to the Wallace's house and finds um, Annie's dead in the bed with the Judith Myers headstone, and then um, Linda's Linda's cross-eyed dead in the in the, in the, in the, in the closet, and then I, I don't know how Michael did but I guess we already saw his upper body strength is there. He somehow suspends Bob's body in the closet in such a way that he uh on the perfect moment it, his upper torso just drops down and is revealed uh so it, it's pretty impressive that he was able to 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 decorate this house with a bunch of bodies uh that fast and and that creatively before laurie could get over there in the course of like maybe three or four minutes so i was and impressed they continue that in the sequels as well of
0: my, it feels like Michael's auditioning for being like the set designer, set <laughs> decorator for a
1: horror movie. <laughs> like, I, uh, yeah, they do, don't they? He does that in in, 2018 oh, like in all Halloween the times. Yeah. yeah, he's always like
0: staging things. Like in uh, I think it's four, <laughs> He has like the severed head or something
1: that falls off. Like he he loves staging some bodies for he dramatic does? Uh, reveals. I, uh, we should definitely come back to that. I, I have to. I'm gonna watch out for that in the next one because. I do remember he takes a sheriff, I think a sheriff's head and sticks it on like a light in the, in, in Halloween 2018 or something. I, 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 well, I'll obviously we'll talk about it next week, but yeah, I do enjoy the, the idea of he's of him staging stuff. Uh, they don't ever, I guess you don't need the context. It works here. Cause it, the, the whole build is to, to uh, build to the climax of Lori's the reveal to Lori of what's actually going on. That all of her friends are dead. And she's in just grave danger, but it is like this fun, weird sidebar of of, of unexplainable activity by Michael. It's like, like uh, it. Maybe he's going to be a set decorator. Maybe he's like going to be on HGTV for like restaging a house. I don't know. Uh, I, I I do think it's a fun touch. It definitely gets. Uh, that's another series trope for a lot of other movies later on. Um, and and it is one of those things where it's like the more you think about it, the the weirder, not more explainable. Yeah. yeah. It's, like <laughs> it's more it's times, more unexplainable than the killing part. <laughs> there are times where in other movies, or
0: even this, you could say, like he's hiding bodies so he doesn't get caught. But then with like the gravestone on the bed, and, like they have the scene where Loomis, oh, that's what I never talked about. I love that actor who plays the uh when Loomis goes to the graveyard and that guy's like giving him a tour, he's like the original, almost like a crazy Ralph esque, yeah, mm-hmm. character. <laughs> like back in '63, when Michael, the same thing happened four
1: towns over. If you and like. <laughs> I did like that because I feel like every city had a weird story uh, like that uh, about some horrible thing that happened that was sort of went unexplained. They kind of do that in the in the burbs. Uh, yeah, there's or, or is like, oh, the
0: two towns over? Yeah, th- there's this always
1: this. his family, and yeah, this horrible thing that happened. Or uh, the I think i like that a lot i thought it was funny i I wanted to hear the end of the story then lumos you could tell lumos is just uh uh, exasperated with hearing it he's like just just tell me what where the fucking gravestone is that i'm trying to see i'd like to think that's donald pleasance
0: just getting tired of acting the scene
1: so i looked it up and i i I actually think you might be right apparently i don't know how i came across this um i googled his uh, filmography and it also gave me like a question of what is donald pleasant's net worth and then it says what was donald pleasant's paid for halloween and it said he was paid twenty thousand dollars for five days of work (laughs) wow that feels about right yeah i mean i think they shot the movie in 30 days but it does feel like he was he was like all right i'm showing up for this and i'm out like i'm done i'm not doing any more than i have to he i i I, (laughs) i got the sense that he probably felt like this may have been a little beneath him Um, Yeah, but then it became a pretty good paycheck for him throughout the 1980s. So yeah, he kept coming back, coming back. And and thank God, more and more unhinged every time. (laughs) Michael, Michael. All right.
0: So 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 why does Michael take the gravestone? (laughs) I kind of feel that's a thing that never really pays off, but it sort of does in that. uh, Yeah, and it kind of. Actually, it, in the sequels where they make uh, Lori his sister, that actually makes it make more sense. That it, it kind of does, but he's coming after her, and so like he's gonna show like the first sister,
1: like uh, yeah, like thematically in his drama crazed mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what they're trying to punctuate. You're right. It doesn't doesn't make a ton of sense other than it's. Something to do with the killing for him is possessive, maybe, and that's the. I guess though, if he can like like, you know, bare bare hand pick up a a, a gravestone or lift <laughs> Bob, it's like, why why didn't he just dig up the body then? At that point, <laughs> it seems like he's got the yeah. strength and the
0: endurance and I, to do it. And I guess a lot of these things are like we don't know, and that's the point. We can never understand yeah.
1: why Michael would do this. We're kind, of, we're kind of we're kind of nickel and diamond carpenter on something that it's like, well, it's just it's there to be scary and it works. And I guess that's that's the takeaway it's, yeah. it's, a, it's effective <laughs> and it's fun. Um I do like the idea of like Michael just walking around the house uh, with like a a headstone tucked under his arm, walking up and down the steps to, to place all this stuff before. Cause he does this in like five trying minutes, it though. out in like different places, yeah, like mm, staging like it. <laughs> and does he, does he like candles? Weren't there candles burning in the room? Uh, um, I, oh, I it? know it's there's good. a jack o' lantern that's what bed. it was. Uh, oh, which we left out. Um, so Linda and
0: Bob go So Annie's babysitting Lindsay, and but she they think she's taken off to go get Paul and Lindsay's like, so um, Linda and Bob go in the house. See, there's no one there immediately go up to a bedroom to fuck
1: yeah that's my point they're at this
0: this stranger's house (laughs) where their friend is supposed to be babysitting and they're just going to go have sex in a bed which is very like teenagey and then the phone rings and they don't answer it because like no we'll get Annie in trouble and i just love the teenage logic of like we're so reckless and have no regard for other people's property or things that like We'll just go fuck in these people's bed. <laughs> but the phone rings, and like we could get Henny in trouble. We better not do it.
1: It does. It does feel like very accurate teenage logic. Of, of yeah, of, I like, I'm I'm gonna, love that. Like a hundred percent. I can remember. Like I'm going to do something either, stupid, but then I'm going to yeah. do something safe that's also stupid. Right. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. I uh like, yeah, they, they just nail they, what it is to be like a teenager of that age, where you have like freedom for the first time, and like hormones, and there, there, and, there yeah. is a total
1: disregard of like. Of 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 people's stuff though, I feel bad. Like the Wallace family comes home, their house has been <laughs> destroyed.
0: I, I, I desperately want to end credit had, scene where they like come in,
1: Lindsay, we're home, Annie, it's it's just, where are they? <laughs> you know, gravestone in the bed, three dead bodies. I, I know it's like, oh god, what do they do? Um, well, I, 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 I that touches on uh, the reveal where Michael finally reveals himself to Lori. Uh, and I think that's also very cool. Uh, the, I know Dean Cundy worked on that with the lighting, uh, where they uh, they frame after Lori's seen all of her friends killed and she's she's reeling uh, in, in terror and horror. They had this this great reveal of Michael's face uh, in the door frame. Oh my god! Uh, and it's su- it's so yeah. it's iconic. such a powerful. Yeah, it is iconic. I'd say uh, too. It's it's such a, a powerful shot of, of him, and it just. And it's like the the everything's finally come to a head, and and so he, I think he, that's when he reaches out with the or not reaches out with a knife. Jeez, with uh, his feelings. He, <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm just so lonely. Um, since <laughs> I sense you're lonely too. He tries. <laughs> but yeah, this is all about people disconnecting. That's all it's about. <laughs> um, uh, he tries to stab Lori and catches her on the arm, and she falls down the steps. And then manages to run out of the house and escape. And I think that's, again, one of the scariest parts is she's out on this, this, this empty suburban street and she's screaming for help. And she's running to, to the neighbor's houses and banging on doors and they turn the lights on and then turn them off. And you, and so you think she's going to get help. And then you just, she's just so helpless and and out there by herself. And, you know, as the audience, you, you know, it's after her and just to see that the, the fact that nobody's helping her it's such an effective build to to her having to fight him off on her own later on is just that that everybody thinks she's crazy and she's just she's been abandoned and so she there's that that helplessness is so palpable when when you're watching that that third that end of the third act I, I don't know i i really love it it's such a terrifying thing and i remember as a kid the idea of like well what if you got stuck outside in the dark like uh like how scary that would be uh and i i, I think Man, I think I watched uh, Jason Takes Manhattan as a kid uh, with a a friend of mine across the street. And I remember uh, it was at night. And I remember being so scared that I ran at a full sprint back to my house because it was at night. And I was just it was scary to think you might be stuck out in the dark uh, and, and alone. And I think Carpenter just builds this such a cool cool mood and feeling with that scene because it's it's a place where you should be safe it's a place where you people should be looking out for you and lori's just left all all by herself to to fight off this killer uh and 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 nobody's everybody's too too scared to actually actually come and come and help her other than this crazy psychiatrist
0: and i i think that's what is made this endure of what you're talking about carpenter establishes the safety of the world and then pulls that rug out and it does it in a way of things i think that are almost universally relatable of what you're talking about i think we've all had that moment as a kid we're like man it's dark and i am freaked out and like yep. i'm just gonna take off running and get wherever i'm going as fast as i can or um just some of those like primal fears we all have uh that I, like i don't know i think carpenter nails the feel for that and like we immediately identify like yeah i know how that feels, and and like but right now it's real like she should be scared
1: yeah and and uh, again she she retreats to the safety of of the doyle's house and but then the windows open and michael michael makes his way inside and so even even in their homes nobody's safe and i think that's a that's a interesting kind of commentary on on you know michael's attack on the suburbs if you will uh so uh the other thing that kind of builds too, is is Lori getting the kids to lock themselves in the uh, in their bedroom, and then she she's basically trapped in an upstairs bedroom with a with a balcony, so her only option is I think she's trying to fake Michael out, so she opens the balcony doors and then she hides yeah. in this this flimsy flimsy closet and and uh, it which is really-
0: awesome to see her character trying to make smart choices yeah.
1: Well I, again it it built it pays off that she is smart so you know she's she's scared and she's injured but she's not she's not being dumb and she's she's worried for the kids and she's trying to do what she can to you know take Michael away her from her. The character them. stays consistent. Yeah. This is still
0: the person we've seen.
1: Yeah. Yeah and and and, and it's it, I think it's so scary when that scene of of Michael just punching his way through those those oh, yeah, uh, yeah. shutter so doors. Brutal. Yeah. And then, like that, he's getting the light, and the light sort of flickering. And then it's just this this helplessness. Um, I do think it's uh, it's funny though that that it ends with uh, while while Michael, Michael's trying to break into the closet, uh, Lori grabs it, grabs and un- unravels a a metal coat hanger. And then what she <laughs> she wards him off with is just what she she pokes him in the eye <laughs> with a coat hanger. Like, man, they uh. Things really change for the horror genre after this in terms of like what you're going to need to like dissuade a killer from from trying to attack you. I think uh, yeah. at Halloween four, it's like you can shoot Michael with a shotgun.
2: <laughs> really, yeah, he just, just keeps stopping.
1: on. Yeah. "Yeah." It's like here, it's like, well, we managed to defeat him with a coat hanger. <laughs> so. uh, but there's the great
0: uh, moment where she thinks she has defeated him, and she's sitting there, and you see him lying down in the background, and then his body just like raises up again yeah, and it's, it's so effective it seems like such a small thing but you have throughout the movie tommy talking about the boogeyman and he sees michael and thinks it's the boogeyman um and it start you start to feel that as like when his body sits up it's like oh man like is this like is this supernatural it's like i mean you could plausibly just still be able to get up from that but you start to be like is this such an unstoppable killing force
1: yeah, yeah. And I, I think uh, to your point, the framing that I, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably Cundy and, and Carpenter on this, but the framing they use for, for all of these scenes between Laurie and Michael are so good because uh, as the audience, you get these great reveals. And it's not like it's not done in a cheesy manner, but you, you, it, it, it keeps the tension and it, you think, OK, she's safe. And then now she's not. And but she doesn't know it. And uh, then at the very end, you have Loomis sort of swoop in to, to help her. But um, even that, you know, technically doesn't work.
0: Yeah. And I think that's like a microcosm of what we're about to see with the ending of the body's gone. So it just it helps. I think it helps pay off the ending of he just keeps coming. He just keeps getting back up. Uh, and so it is establishes that fear of like, even if you think you stopped him. Like you haven't, you still have to be on guard.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the, 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 final shots are um, literal shots. Uh, Loomis, uh, Loomis sees the kids running out of the house screaming. Uh, He he manages to make it into the house in time shoots Michael uh, seven times with a six shooter. And uh, Michael does a a swan dive off the back deck of of the the Doyle family's house and land. And then you, they, they cut to a shot of Michael laying in the backyard and then, this uh, great exchange between Loomis and Laurie about uh, the boogeyman Uh, or was that Oh man, I'm going to mess it up. But what does he say? Or she, she said, was that the boogeyman? He goes, yes. As a matter of fact, it was. Yeah. And then Loomis goes to check and see that he's obviously thinking he's, he's killed Michael. And uh, uh, there's this reveal that there's the body's gone. And um, I think you get these great shot. You get the reaction shot of Loomis just looking actually terrified. And he's the guy with the gun. He's, he's theoretically, He's theoretically you know the, the strong hero here and he looks terrified and then it cuts to all those great shots of this empty streets yeah you know, this, slowly this like pulls room. out of the
0: house with some shots to yeah. the streets you've been seeing at the start and now like what was like safe at the beginning and familiar is now like scary and terrifying
1: yeah it's on un- there's unknowns there's something that could be lurking in the dark and i think such a great punctuation to this movie and I- Again, 100% can see Carpenter's vision uh, of why he would never want to do a sequel because you just can't – I just don't think you can top that. Like any, anything you do after that is going to – is gonna it's just repetitive. Degrade yeah. on that ending, right? It's just it, it's, it's well, I think it's it, it
0: tough. goes back to what you, you were talking about with the slow burn of building the tension. It's like, well, now we've seen Michael kind of unleashed yeah. and go out – and so you can't do a slow you, burn again. You
1: can't put that genie back in the bottle. Where you point. do
0: that, so yeah, the sequel by its nature is just going to be kills.
1: And yeah, it's Like and- okay,
0: I mean that can be fun, and like certainly enjoy plenty of those movies, but it's not going to reach the heights of the original just because by its nature it's just a different it's a different setup.
1: No, agreed. And so I, it's I I can see why this is such a beloved movie. It's it's just it's a fantastic ending. It's satisfying uh you know Lori is safe. Uh you think. Actually, you know what? I, I take that back. It, it it is a great ending because it is ambiguous and they leave it open that that now technically nobody is safe. You 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 think yes. you've gone through this whole thing and there's been this big payoff that Michael's been defeated, but he's technically he's not and 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 now it kind of reminds me of like um when I this is this is such a horrible comparison, so I'll apologize in advance. When I was a kid I went to go see Independence Day and it was that feeling of when you walked out of the theater, you walked out and you looked straight up in the sky because you were looking for these giant, you know, discs breaking through the clouds in the sky because that was just sort of how the movie impacted you and left you. And I think...
0: I did not. I had full faith in Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum Depp, <laughs> to defeat them and save the day. Well, that's all I thought. <laughs> you were naive. Uh, yeah. you were naive.
1: Uh, but I, I walked out thinking that you look up and you're just kind of waiting for the, that that reveal in the sky and i i think uh, that's a poor comparison but i think halloween's supposed to punctuate the movie the same way where you're supposed to leave and think the places that are you know yeah, safe I can't, and, and you can, you I can't can imagine leaving or, in
0: 1978 at night going into like a half empty movie theater parking lot and having yeah. to like go get in your car <laughs> like you try i was like that sound it's absolutely terrifying to leave well, this movie <laughs>
1: well then no, we, we didn't talk about it too much and i not want to focus on it too much either necessarily mm-hmm. but the, you know from a zeitgeist standpoint this is also 1978 and this is this is sort of sounds like a bad way to say this I'm not sure how to frame it but it was sort of the peak of awareness of what serial killers were it was it was it was becoming sort of a cultural mm-hmm. phenomenon not that, that word but it, an awareness it, of serial yeah, killers exists that, Or are mass killers I, I Ted yeah. Bundy I think was captured at, recaptured and killed a bunch of people in Florida uh, this same year. I think it was the year John Wayne Gacy was captured. Uh, It's just, it was a, it was, there was something happening in the culture that, that this may have resonated with, with people as well, for that reason that, that, yeah, there's something scary in the suburbs and and you've got to watch out for it. Um, And maybe it's not Michael Myers, but it's, it, there could be something else. So it, 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 it maybe, maybe that's again why this movie was just perfectly timed for, for, when it came out. But uh yeah, it, very effective uh, horror movie. And to me, it still stands up even in even in 2022. It's you know what forty four years old. Is it forty four years old? Yeah, that's um, right. And uh, wow, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I, it's like five tur- years older than us. Turns out I can still do math. Um, <laughs> so it, it's still it's still super effective, and I think it's still um leaves yeah, you I'm, with that that sense of fear of of the unknown that might be lurking out in the dark.
0: I really want to get. Um god i'm trying to think it's tough maybe i'll have to try to find it playing on like edited for tv or something and maybe in a couple of years some of the kids but i'd just be so curious to see their reaction
1: yeah i i definitely want to wait a couple years for the kids to see this one uh yeah well <laughs> it's
0: hard this is like nudity and sex and drugs and like it's like like i wouldn't have a problem with them if it feels weird though well no i mean my nine-year-old I'm not gonna show it to but it's like kids are in middle school if they went to like a sleepover and watched this with like friends I'd be like okay like fine like like do you have any questions like you're not are you like not freaked out or like um but it feels anything with like nudity feels particularly weird to be like hey kids come sit down and watch this with me (laughs) yeah I I I agree that's why I think even teenagers. more so than, like, violence, but maybe that's, yeah. I don't know, American culture. To your <laughs> point,
1: edited for TV is probably a, a better idea.
0: Uh, uh, um, yeah, just get a taste of what this is. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd be very curious what a modern-day teenager would think of this. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we're kind of getting to the end here. Um, and there are a few things. I and mean, there's so much to talk about with this, this movie. We could go for, like, six more hours easily. Um, I don't know why that's my go-to today for podcast length, of six hours, but <laughs> <It's the laughs> apparently only that's my dream. The only podcast length is six hours. Uh, so there's a couple things. One, I, I just want to say how the less is more stuff. I love, there's like five lanterns in this movie, and that's really all that establishes <laughs> it as being at Halloween. I and mean, some of that's how the world has changed for consumer culture and what people decorate with. But it's also like that's what they use for their second decoration, and it works. It never, it always feels like Halloween. And it's like they bought five pumpkins, and like that's all it <laughs> took to. Uh, it's so brilliant by Carpenter like, that's all you needed. He didn't have to go like crazy um, and having like a school Halloween dance that cost like 50,000, 50 grand to film or something. Um, but it's all right. But then I do have a question for you. So. Given their respective resumes of what we've seen, I just want to just want to run this down. So yeah, I can't wait for this question. <laughs> um, you're looking for a babysitter, and you get your one resume is Lori Strud, who is going to come and she's going to read with your kids. She's going to sit with them and reassure them when they're scared of the boogeyman. She's going to carve a jack o' lantern with them. She's going to watch a movie with them. Uh, She's going to have a friend over for them to play with. Uh, She's going to put them to bed. Other alternative is Annie, who is going to... Her plan is to show your kids horror movies. And I know I'm cheating a bit (laughs) since they watch the same movies. But show your kid horror movies. uh, Continuously scream at them about your dog. Invite her boyfriend over to have sex. Invite her friend and her friend's boyfriend over, half drunk, to fuck in your bed. Uh, the first chance she gets, abandon your child to another babysitter. Yeah, uh, gets so, paid
1: to pawn your child off on somebody yeah. else.
0: <laughs> so how much more expensive would Lori have to be for you to go with Annie?
1: Uh, at least a couple hundred dollars, I think. <laughs> like I was
0: thinking about this. I was like, let's
1: say it's, like, it's a scenario...
0: Like, you have to go out and have to go somewhere. And these are your two options. Like, I will spend the money because, uh, because if Lori was like a grand for the night, as like, I don't know, it really seems like some bad shit could happen with Annie. (laughs) Like, I am not feeling good at all while Annie's in charge.
1: I, uh, I would, yeah, I, I, I agree. I would, I would still go with, uh, I would still go with Lori. I'd spend the extra money because I want somebody responsible. Um, uh, and also, again, that was one of my big takeaways was like, okay, in the 1970s, the teenagers just did not give a shit about other people's property on any capacity because they just seemed like, oh, great. that's still true today. Uh, okay, fair. Um, I guess it's just, it's very, uh, it's accentuated here, if anything. But um, but yeah, no, I, I'm still paying, I'll pay the extra fee for Lori. It's probably a few extra hundred dollars, but uh, well worth it because my children are not murdered. So I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's worth it.
0: Uh, and and uh, related to that, I'm so, does Lori get like a tip after after this? Or, like, <laughs> like, what like, does she get paid? <laughs> it's,
1: that's that's what the sequel of this should be: is the parents trying to rationalize what's the appropriate payment for Lori for,
0: negotiating and her new rate?
1: <laughs> yeah, for all of her friends being killed, her protecting two children, being stabbed in the arm. And uh, falling down a flight of steps. I don't know. I, I think she probably deserves an extra. It kind 20%. of gives the babysitter an extra twenty. You know, she What's, fought
0: off that crazy serial killer. Spoiler and alert: saved her
1: Child. What, what is funny to me is in the sequel, the direct sequel, not not the one we'll be covering, but the 1981 sequel to this is they never cover any of the parent. It's so weird. It's such a strange just vacuum of the parents are out I, doing doing stuff on Halloween. They're not. With I think it's because of what we're talking about. How insane those scenes would have to be <laughs> to like, like how do you how do you
0: rationalize what? Yeah, the- like, like you have to like just confront the absurdity of this too head on <laughs> to uh, to do that. But yeah, I, I know I talked about uh, jokingly of like wanting just a sequel uh, or like a. Uh, I guess not even a sequel. I don't even know what you'd call it, but like a spinoff where it's just like <laughs> the the parents are out at this party and come like, home to like, like in like the a, last ten minutes, is like them arriving home to find like Halloween has occurred while you were gone.
1: Yeah, it's not. It's not a. It's like an epilogue to the to the movie. Maybe is that the right word for it? Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't quite know what you would, what else to call it other than yeah. You you would need just five minutes. To like, let's take five minutes to wrap this up. But it's also funny. 1963, 1978. Parents in Haddonfield do not spend Halloween with their children. Maybe this is what sets up all of the terrible parents we see in and in, in slasher movies later on. As well as just <laughs> at least they're around to be shitty parents. Yeah, it's like all right. At least they're, they're present. I'm so that's, that's, some that's here. Something. Maybe
0: um, he drunk and telling them to fuck themselves. But <laughs> I, uh, I'm here.
1: I I. Uh... I would like to know what the parents are up to. I do think it's it, it it's funny. Um, you touched on it with the pumpkins and the decorations. There are no real decorations or pumpkins throughout. I mean, I, I wonder if that's what it was like in the seventies for for how people did it did Halloween. Now it's now it's the opposite. Like like people have like fucking haunted houses. No, I I, I went and bought a five foot tall um movable skeleton with red eyes for our front <laughs> yeah. yard. And like that's like the first thing we're gonna buy. Or we, we still have like nine other things we have to set up around. So it's just funny because I know I, I watched uh the the documentaries are a little bit cheesy, but I think it's the movies that made us. On Netflix, uh, did a a, a an episode on Halloween, and they they interviewed, I think it was maybe Tommy Lee Wallace, and he talked about how. He's like, well, we shot this in May, and it's like you can't get pumpkins in South Ca- in Southern California in May, <laughs> so it's like yeah. we shouldn't have a lot to work with. <laughs> yeah. But um, it is funny how just devoid this is of, of any real Halloween decorations, besides a few pumpkins and stuff like that that are that are strewn throughout the the movie. Yeah, but it, it works um, somehow. <laughs> so that's a good question. All right, if you had to spend ten percent more of the budget where would you spend it and that's so 10 percent more budget would be 30 dollars for this movie okay. so would you spend that on on halloween decorations
0: uh <laughs> i would not I, I had two thoughts on this my, my first was um to just give it to john carpenter and be like hey good job here's an extra 30 grand for your for your efforts <laughs> the movie's fucking amazing uh but no what i, I think i would do is um I would spend that to preserve the mask from this one so you don't have to deal with decades of bizarre nat movies where they can't get the freaking mask right because they <laughs> yeah. lost the original or it got
1: so malformed. And like, I just like, here's 30 grand, preserve this. That's a pretty good one. And, and yeah, they, especially on Halloween four and five, uh, the mask gets really weird. Uh It definitely looks like, <laughs> somebody somebody just went into a closet and was like, well this kind of looks like it. it's close enough. Let's just paint this and and, and do it up and, and go from there. It, you know, it it feels like nobody actually saw Halloween one when they were trying to do the set decoration for and the costumes for the, the later movie. It was just
0: so crazy is for the movie they just went and bought the William Shatner mask and store. then like yeah. did some stuff to it. it uh, yeah. seems like that seems like the easiest, but maybe that made it a million times harder. Uh yeah, maybe it's just specific to that mask in 1978. And, that's and like you one. just couldn't get that again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would try to preserve the mask. I don't really, I'm not like the movie is too perfect. I'm not touching it. Uh,
1: I I agree. The movie is too perfect. Uh, I, I thought about giving it to Carpenter and Hill and saying, okay, here's your, here's your extra money to, to motivate you to not make some sequels, Uh, which I know they, <laughs> they didn't want to do. But I am going to go back, and I think because the movie is perfect, and if we didn't have the sequels, we wouldn't have anything to talk about on, on this this fun series. So I would add the 32,000 back in to have a scene of uh, after Lori and, and Tommy Doyle get the pumpkin, they they walk to a spirit of Halloween and buy a bunch of decorations and actually make <laughs> us look like Halloween. And,
0: and Laurie spends like, there's, there's like five minutes where they decorate the house together. yeah.
1: yeah. Instead yeah. of because I did laugh at them carving a pumpkin at like eight o'clock on Halloween, I'm like, oh, you might as well just <laughs> throw that in the trash because <laughs> you're never gonna u- you're not gonna use this pumpkin. So they they carve a jack o' lantern uh, right before they go to bed on Halloween. So what are you gonna do with that pumpkin? I don't so, know. I mean, keep
0: the kid acu- entertained. You're babysitting, <laughs> killing time.
1: Uh, fair enough. So yeah, I, I would spend my extra ten <laughs> percent on 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 Halloween decorations.
0: <laughs> I. <laughs> I really want to see John Carpenter filming a scene in spirit Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Um, that, sounds, that just sounds fun.
1: <laughs> it also makes me, uh, we talked about it a little bit, but I also wonder with this movie if maybe uh, John Carpenter kind of uh, changed the definition of, of, of Halloween and what it is in terms of, of scary costumes and stuff like that. Because I know in the 1980s, if you were uh, if you were trying to go out for Halloween, uh, it, every now and then, you you would probably as a desperation move have to go to like a Jason Voorhees costume <laughs> because it's like, all right, I got a shirt. I can have a fake knife and a hockey mask. Great. I got a costume. Do yeah. I, to work? <laughs> I know I did that a couple of years. Right? It's just a real <laughs> lazy costume. Uh, where would you stick our friend uh, Carl Weathers?
0: Ugh, this is a tough one. There's just not a ton of roles that fit. So I guess, I mean, really, you're probably looking at uh, Loomis or Brackett as a realistic casting choice or semi-realistic casting choice. Uh, I jokingly sent you I was going to I was going to make him Tommy. (laughs) And I kind of want to stick with that. Laurie's Laurie's babysitting a 35-year-old. Laurie's Laurie's babysitting Carl Weathers. (laughs) lori's <laughs> babysitting apollo creed oh. and the absurdity of when like michael myers is attacking and she's like
1: you gotta go get in the room and lock the door carl Weathers just beats the show of michael myers yeah, and like exactly. he, uh it is a massive guy <laughs> you, uh, but yeah it's
0: a it's a tough uh, the only other one i could think of was um lori's teacher of just yeah. like I was just like, I don't know, that seems like a fun, charismatic, like Carl Weathers is like an awesome teacher, like you happen to get a brief glimpse of, and it's like, what the hell is that about?
1: <laughs> I would, yeah, I would probably put him. Well, my joke was gonna say make him Judith Meyer's boyfriend at the beginning. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no one would believe because ex- exactly because he's he's too virile. He's, there's no way people are gonna
0: buy it. Uh, you just have like 45 minutes of like Michael sitting at the door. Like, just waiting, his watch. Yeah, waiting like, to go right. in.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, maybe, maybe at that point, maybe that is the, that, that is what, what gets Michael to not kill people. Is he just gives <laughs> up because of Carl Weathers. Uh, I would put him as probably bracket. I think that would be fun to then bring him back. Like they do. Uh, Charles ciphers in the 20, was it 2020 or 2021 movie? Well, and uh, Halloween kills uh, they, they reprise sheriff bracket. I think it'd be fun to put him in that role because I feel like he would play a better skeptical cop of some crazy British doctor <laughs> running around with a gun. Um, I like Charles Cyphers in this, but is it Charles Cyphers or Cypher? I'm probably butchering his name. Um, uh, but I think, I think playing, making him the sheriff would, would be a fun touch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that. Um, he's, he's a little charismatic. I mean, obviously he's
0: too big a star for that. He's a little too charismatic for like that role. Um, like he would overpower what that role is <laughs> but that's true um, but he would be a
1: good sheriff um but the, the, the irony of it would be is you can't introduce him as this you can't introduce carl weathers in 1978 after he just did rocky he's just yeah, it's kind. he's the sheriff but then he never has any like interaction or doesn't save the day you, you still make yeah, loomis the hero just, I was like oh, i was like that probably doesn't work either
0: it's like so. a role like someone would do like Oh, the movie was actually filmed like two years earlier and didn't get released, and he had the small role in it before he became a star. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs>
0: it's
2: that. like, what the hell.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'll, I'll stick with sheriff. Sheriff uh, bracket is is Carl Weathers. <laughs> so, no, well, uh, excellent. Uh, so, what is next? You want to talk about again how we're gonna how we're gonna run this series and, and uh, what we want to what we're gonna watch.
0: Uh, so next uh so we're going to the Bloomhouse halloween yeah. series um and that that first one is just halloween
1: yeah i think it's I'm called like, halloween and it usually you see it yeah, 2018. 2018 yeah i think
0: i always get always think there's like more to it because everyone always calls it halloween 2018 yeah same um so by, so by david gordon green uh directing it um i so my memory of this one i really enjoyed um this. I've only seen it once. Same. I believe, but really, really liked it. Um, And I remember um, (laughs)
1: liking uh, Halloween Kills a little bit less. (laughs) Uh, Same. I think uh, we'll we'll certainly talk about it. Uh, Halloween Kills, they they definitely emphasize the brutality. Uh, It's a lot more gore and uh, Obviously, after listening, anybody listening to this has just heard from us, you know, the, the the places that I think this this movie series works are the suspense building rather than the emphasis on violence. And and they really they really go a different direction toward the violence <laughs> and uh, and uh, Halloween kills.
0: I mean, I guess it is called Halloween kills. So oh, he it's does. Somewhat, it's somewhat predictable. He kills uh, a lot. No, I'm, I'm excited to do it right after doing this one because. When I was watching, and I've watched them before, it's been kind of as part of, or having watched some of the other Halloween movies pretty recently, and it's a really weird mental disconnect of like trying to process like what is canon in this universe when yeah, that's a good point. you've gone through like all these movies, um, uh, but it's it's an interesting concept of that far forward of in the trauma that this event like has still
1: left lori with yep yep i'm i'm excited to talk about that because I, I think it's it's a it's a high point of the movie is it, it does they ground it pretty well with with making lori a slightly i don't want to say detestable but she's somewhat unlikable here in the new ones but it's for it's for the purpose of, of driving the the plot forward and, and it's i think like that's, a, she's, that's a great touch yeah it's like because she's knows what can happen yeah and i you know she's certainly she's certainly uh justified in how she acts and, and and what why she's so protective of her family but at the same time it also makes her somewhat repulsive to her to her family too so it's it's a it's a good dichotomy for for that character i think especially after the first one so yeah i'm, I'm excited to watch it and then uh, uh again halloween halloween ends comes out on october 14th so we'll be I guess pretty close to the release of that. Uh, both going to see it, and then and that episode should drop if my uh, calendar is correct. I think we're going to drop that right before Halloween.
0: Yeah, so that, that's I believe. So let's look at the uh, the timing here because we just had Hudson Hawk come out on the sixteenth, <laughs> which I know everyone was excited for, including uh, so Bruce. Twenty third will be dread. Yep, 30th will have been uh, Street Fighter, which (laughs) this is all in the past now for anyone listening, because this will come out October 7th.
1: I'm coming to you from the future!
0: Um, Although, yeah, so this this would technically come out October 7th, then Halloween kills the 14th, Halloween ends the 21st, so have that out out for the week
1: leading up to Halloween. Um, Wait, wait, no, this comes out on October 7th, right? We do Street Fighter on the 30th, 14th is halloween 2018
0: oh yeah yeah i'm skipping one um october 21st will be yes. halloween
1: kills and then the 28th the 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 friday before halloween yeah, perfect, perfect okay that's so, why my yeah. math was not enough i left out a whole movie <laughs> you son of a bitch <laughs> so cool well i look forward to it buddy i'm, I'm excited to kick this one off uh this yeah, might so be a okay. almost four hour episode
0: <laughs> so i apologize <laughs> uh don't apologize to me <laughs>
1: Um, I can well, tell you that much. <laughs> I'm gonna go apologize to my wife because I know she's already to help with kids. So I'm gonna go do that. Yeah, yeah, I gotta go uh, start getting ready. you are supposed to have
0: people over to watch football later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you need to uh, go do that. So all right, so I have to uh, prepare and like you know do a bunch of shit to get ready for the week. <laughs>
1: prepare yourself. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. But yeah, that was awesome. Uh, the one unanswered question: uh, Did the people who went to go look at the Myers house see the dead dog? And did they buy the house? Uh, I I guess uh, maybe we can find, maybe we can uh, speculate on that watching uh, the next Halloween.
1: Oh, they definitely (laughs) dress it in Halloween Kills. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. I'll talk to you next week. All right.